Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday Show. My name is James Chen, and I've got myself, my co-hosts, Mr. Ultra David over here, who's freaking out, <laughs> and uh, Mr. Tubaware over here, and then uh, Nathan over here, who suddenly, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, wanted all the attention. So, all right, oh, David. He don't do that, that little guy. He's quite a little guy. Yeah. Uh, what's up, everybody? My name's Davey Davey, and over there is Tubbo. What's up? Tubbo Tubby? Yeah, let's see. Where are you going? I, this no, I did not do that. You did, you did not think ahead very far on that. <laughs> no, nope, not at all. I was just walking off the ledge, hoping that there'd be more steps in front of me. And then at some point, I lose a cliff. Yeah, that's the, how I lived my life. So. There was the one Tiny Toons episode where they did the whole, you know, you know, like Buster Buster, Bo Buster, Banana Fan, and like that, you know, that whole thing for the whole entire episode. And in the credits, one of the credits hidden was that. Uh, Plucky Duck was removed from that that section. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great show. Alright, well, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. As you can see over on the side, we're going to be talking about this brutal democracy thing. That did not go very well. We're going to be talking about something that went great, which is the five days of Melee. They raised a ton of money there and on the event after that. Uh, we're going to talk about Capcom Cup and Street Fighter V. There's news on both. We have a very cool interview with Kate McGee to talk about physical therapy, something that's been super important for me, of course. And we have some good 5-5 five, five matchup topics today. The viewers have put some stuff in there that's pretty fun. Has streaming been criminalized? <laughs> Probably not, but I'll talk about that for a little while. And, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, there's other game and community news to get to. There's some tournament results to discuss. There's some upcoming stuff too, but let's start by talking about what happened over just the past handful of days with Google <laughs> Democracy Gaming. Yeah, I mean, this one's going to be interesting, obviously, because I have a lot more involvement in this one, uh, as I was part of the team, sort of. Yeah, James, who did you who did you pyramid scheme, James? Tell us about it. Uh, mostly Ooh. just uh, a bunch of people that are not familiar with the scene. It was really sure, via sure. my it was via my OnlyFans, really mostly that I did it. <laughs> so, you know, that's just how it works. So. <laughs> well, here's what happened, just to briefly get to it, and I'm sure James can give in more detail or let me know if I'm saying anything that is wrong, but my understanding is that this started in a public way when Tokimeki Emily spoke out. She essentially said that she'd been taken advantage of financially and that things did not go well, mm -hmm. that she had put in a bunch of money and expected results, and none of that went how she hoped it would go. Uh, other people said that they had also had similar kinds of things where they had been asked to pay in to the team rather than getting money from the team, they'd been asked to put in money instead, and they didn't really get much out of it. Uh, there was also screenshots and further allegations of a member of the team, or I guess the leadership of the team, uh, saying transphobic things as well, and some other members saying pretty harmful things, I, I think could be fairly mm -hmm. said. Uh, some other members slash owners, uh, when all this began coming out, uh, were obviously very mad about it and, and you know, did not handle it well, I think, I think you would say, uh, <laughs> for other people to, you know, report a tweet, for example, that, that they didn't like. Uh, those people then later said that they themselves turned out that they had been lied to and that much of the organization didn't actually go how they themselves right. thought that, that it was going. Um, and then within the space of basically a day, two days maybe, 
the team died. Right. Yep. So everybody, everybody <laughs> left the team. The team's Twitter closed. Like it just was completely gone in just a couple of days. Yeah. Very fast. Which is not a good sign either, because then it makes it seem like that they are almost kind of like admitting guilt at that point in time and just kind of taking off and disappearing kind of situation. And it's an unfortunate situation in particular for me, not because I was on the team, because obviously I was I'm, I'm very good friends, you know, just uh, as a as a as a full disclosure thing. I'm very good friends with Kitty, uh, who was largely involved with this. And, you know, one of the hard things for me just to talk about it from my personal point of view, things uh, uh, just basically from my point of view is that um, she tried really hard to do something cool with the team because she just started working with them a little bit and then she kind of got into more positions of authority. And so a lot of the things that you were talking about, for example, she found out early on that people were getting paid to, you know, were paying to be on the team and she put a stop to that. At least she thought she did. They told her she did. They, they told her that they did and they told her that they were paying people back. But apparently she found out later that that was not true. Uh, the person with the transphobic remarks have not been part of the team for a couple of months already because they already discovered he was a piece of shit and they basically ejected him, uh, do name Vapor, uh, they ejected him out of the team already. She was trying to do a lot to clean house and basically what happened was she put a lot of work into it and unfortunately that meant when, you know, Emily came out with the statement... Uh, she kind of panicked and was like, you know what, uh, all this work and effort I've been putting into building this team all of a sudden might, you know, explode. So she kind of panicked about that. And since then, she's apologized directly to Emily uh, in a big, long statement and took full responsibility for all the things that she did. And uh, Emily has accepted the apologies and they've they've made up and everything like that so that's that's really cool so you know just from that side you know i i've got to you know try to defend you know kitty's actions a lot and uh because like i said the way that i would talk to her because i see her often she's my roommate's girlfriend so i see her all the time and so we would talk about the team all the time and she just had all these great ideas and plans. She was trying to keep them from signing a billion people like they kept doing all the time, you know, and she was trying to push them in the right direction. And it sounded like they were kind of like, yeah, sure, we'll do a lot of these things. And then just basically didn't do a lot of the things that she was suggesting wow. and stuff. So I think we came to find out why they were signing all these people. It wasn't. They weren't signing people. People were signing with them and giving them money. So yeah. that's, you know, of course they're not going to stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you're a grifter. You're going to grift. That's yep. what you do. And so, yeah, recently she told me she found out that a lot of things that were being said to her weren't true either. So she got really kind of frustrated and she, she was very emotional about the whole thing, obviously, because she put a lot of heart and soul into trying to turn it into something that was going to be really good for the FGC and for a lot of other things. I mean, she spearheaded creating the Teppen team on there because obviously myself and, you know, Olaf are really big Teppen guys. So we brought in a couple of other Teppen players. She was trying to organize a KOF thing because they're all big SNK 
fans and everything. So she was trying to use her position to do a lot of cool things for a lot of the, the, the stuff that, you know, she's personally passionate about. But obviously, uh, she probably did not have as much uh, power and uh, as, as she thought she was going to be able to have. So it's kind of an unfortunate situation. Having said all that, did it turn out the organization sucked? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and um, I had to leave right away. And, you know, that's the hard part, too. The part for me that sucks the most is that I was on the team. I didn't know anything was going wrong because they paid me everything they promised that they would pay me. But now I'm finding out that they paid me off of the backs of others. And it's like kind of disturbing now. And I don't know how to rectify that. I don't know if there is a way to rectify it. But, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I obviously, you know, I left as soon as I found out all this information and so did everybody else. And then, like you said, the whole thing imploded at that point in time. So, but yeah. And the, the Twitter account had, like I said, it basically died, but it did also, you know, say something just briefly about how, you know, it didn't go how they wanted it to go. And this year wasn't what they wanted. And <laughs> You know, I felt that it implied that there may be future plans, although maybe not as brutal democracy gaming, but, you know, maybe some second stab at it. Right. I don't know. Um, I, I'm definitely, uh, I mean, I was concerned about it beforehand. Um, and, you know, I looked over a bunch of people's contracts for that, and I'm not going to. I can't give any like specific details or anything like that to that effect, but um, those were top three worst contracts I've ever seen in esports. <laughs> right. <laughs> honestly, honestly. Um, <laughs> oh man, that's a good sign when you're. I mean, you know. just just very bad. Not not just like lopsided, right? That's not what I mean, even because some of the ones I read over weren't actually lopsided. Right? They actually were doing for things for some people. But in terms of how they were written, how, how they were formatted, like how, I mean, weird stuff, like just getting the law wrong, straight up wrong. Um, people did not, they did not use a lawyer, which you don't need to, right? You can have an effective contract without having a lawyer, but they didn't do the research to even make it effective. So, I mean, sure. that, was, that was a concern for me right off the bat. And, and it's been my experience that when I see a contract that is real gnarly, <laughs> that that's probably not the only thing that the team is yeah. doing a bad job of. Right? That's, sure. that's just been my experience. I don't know if that's categorically true, but that's been my, my experience. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was concerned. Now, did I have any guess about what actually was happening? No, right? I have no idea. Um, and, and it was definitely really disappointing to read about uh, I was glad to see that Kitty put that apology out. I thought that was a good apology, you know, mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, I thought that she is, she took a lot of responsibility in that post, and I thought that was really good to see. Uh, and, and you know, it's on Emily to decide whether to forgive, and, I, right. and she did, so that, that's nice of her as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, very, very disappointing that that kind of stuff is going on. I don't know that I am aware of another example of an esports team that had people paid to be on it i mean i'm aware of a lot of examples of esports teams not doing anything for people who, who join them <laughs> but but the opposite of helping of actually like asking money from the players 
I don't think I have heard of that before. I mean, so that, that I was can't, a novel one for me. Yeah, <laughs> I can't say I've, in the future. I can't say I've heard of it really anything like that before. I mean, if it was, I mean, it would be some crazy kind of empire uh, if if it was like that, okay. right? Okay, all right. So. You know what? You're, you're absolutely right. You got it. I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. That's um, a good example. No, all, I, all I know is that if you can sell someone the esports dream, the content creation dream, and they buy it, you got to be like a really good salesman. Not mm. to give BDG credit for screwing people out of their money, but I can't even imagine convincing someone to give me money to tell them that they're going to be e-famous. And like they <laughs> believe it. That's wild to me. Yeah. I mean, the craziest part to me is, you know, I spoke with the main owner directly many times. And, you know, a lot of what he said and a lot of what he talked about was very uh, – I mean, one of the reasons why I decided to go with the team was, one, I wanted to really help support the Teppin stuff because that, that was kind of like half the reason why they brought me on there was to do the Teppin stuff. <clears throat> and then also, um, you know, just talking to him, he was very genuine. He sounded like he had a lot of good goals and stuff. I'm not even sure if it's necessarily his fault. I think... It, it, what a lot of it really felt like to me was that he was overly trusting. He didn't do a good job vetting people. He didn't like some of the people that did bad stuff, like they did research into them afterwards and found out that they had like criminal histories and all these crazy things like that. And so uh, I think the original owner just even right before the, the Twitter closed, he put out videos of himself apologizing to everybody about a bunch of stuff and then they closed the Twitter and everything. So I just feel like he just didn't set things up properly. He didn't trust the right people. He wasn't particularly professional, like the contract thing. The thing about the contract that was nice is that literally the contract said you could leave anytime you wanted, basically, which was kind of one of the reasons why I was okay with it. <laughs> Well, but, your contract said that. You don't know what everybody else has said. Right. Well, so according to Kitty, uh, that and not taking anybody's earnings were something that she pushed and got going after she became in a position of authority. Again, who knows if that was actually carried out with all the contracts. But again, that's one of the problems, right? Like, so I'm sitting here thinking to myself, oh, okay, so they're they're actually treating me well and everything like that. One of the things Emily said in her tweet was that there were certain members of, on the team that were getting all the benefits. They would get all the, the jerseys, the clothes, all these things like that. And everybody else was kind of left in the dust. And, you know, me with my, with my, uh, with my imposter syndrome, you know, but coming out with this and, and just like being like, God, I was one of those people then, right? I was one of the people that got all the benefits from everything because I guess I'm considered a big name on their team and stuff like that. And I guess that they considered me important. I guess. I guess, I guess. James. See, that uh, that's name. the thing. I know. I guess. <laughs> that's, the, that's the hard part for me. You know, it's hard for me to, to, to gather that. So from my perspective, I was like, well, if they're treating me good, they must be treating everybody good. But no, actually, I am one of the special ones that was tr being treated particularly well. And I guess uh, that's just the way it went. So, dude, Saint, don't even look. Everybody knows, dude. Saints in the chat yelling at me over here right now. So, yeah, well, literally right. every commentator in the FGC would yell at you for the same. Reason. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> right, you're absolutely right. You are a top level commentator. You've you've only commentated Evo top eight biggest game for like what seventeen years in a row. I know. <laughs> yeah, the last ten years. 
it feels so yeah. fraudulent, dude. <laughs> but anyways. <clears throat> well, this is a big bummer about this team. Um, it's going to be... It will, it will make me, from a lawyer perspective, look at some things a little differently in the future in terms of how I help clients, like, investigate stuff. Because, uh, I mean, I like I said, I, some of the things that they were doing were just things that I'm... I have at least not happened often, maybe is right. a better way to put it, but then that they haven't ever happened, but uh, in esports at least. Um, so I'll, uh, it's kind of a lesson for me on that front, I suppose. As far as for the players, I hope that it will be for them as well. You know, uh, this is always my hope when a team goes up like this, because it's certainly not the first time that a team has imploded. Maybe yeah. this is like a particularly like very fast, bad way, but... Plenty of teams have gone belly up in the past, and and although maybe not for like such sudden reasons, they've gone, they've not been helping players. They have not been had, they haven't had income, right? There's been any number of problems, and it's each time my hope that players will look into will be will be more careful in the future. Right. Sure. And I hope that this will be a good a good reason to be more careful yet again, like redouble those carefulness e efforts. But yeah, I mean, like you guys were talking about with the idea of getting esports famous is just really attractive to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And there are certainly people out there who are either gullible or just really young or think that this is the beginning of whatever stepping stone process, even if it's a small one. And that's nice. But yeah, I mean, it's it is rarely the case that you're going to get started at, I mean, look, to be honest, Almost nobody gets paid in fighting games to be a player. <laughs> almost like just statistically, yeah. it's like all like it's like a rounding error. Like who gets, <laughs> who gets paid Dang. among all players? It's an office uh, space with, scheme, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. Dude, uh, it's very very few. So it's super unlikely that teams that you join will will pay you. I mean, some teams can't help otherwise. I know of some teams that don't actively play, at least some players, mm -hmm. but actually do do stuff like help out with social Just media and graphics and help out, help out their doo-doo and all sorts of stuff like that. So that can exist, but just just be wary, be very wary in, in these circumstances mm -hmm. and you know, maybe consider asking a lawyer to help you out if that's something you can do. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it just reminds me of the story like uh, 10 years ago or so, even before any of this was even getting remotely big. I remember someone messaging me on like Facebook. They're like, how do I get sponsored? I want to be sponsored like Justin Wong. And I was like, uh, win everything. <laughs> yeah, be the, be the best player in North American fighting games for like a whole decade. And that's uh, it. James, people are saying that Tubbo and I are too low on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said it's better now because I've turned it up. Okay. I've turned it up now. Okay, so cool. I've right, turned so, you guys know. up. Yeah, I just, uh, I hope that people in the FGC learn if they get one lesson from this is to build your own brand. Don't rely on mm -hmm. any esports team to do that for you. I mean, it's cool if you want to be on stream teams and stuff like that. Like, I understand. Uh, but building your own brand is far more important than being on a team and helping them build theirs. Yeah. Just 100%. Yeah. You mean, don't need a team to make YouTube videos. You don't need a team to stream. You don't need a team to be good at fighting games or whatever you want to do. So just think about that when you are signing up for these orgs. Yeah. And definitely have a lawyer look over your contract. Yeah, it was it was interesting because like even when I was on the team, my goal wasn't to have them build me up. I was just there to support them and and then also uh 
basically was going to keep building my own brand separately anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> it was never really meant to be a kind of a mixture kind of thing. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, look, there are some good teams in the FGC. I think I think we have a we have a handful now that are are really good yeah. with their players and content creators. So. I mean, I mean it, we, should, I'm, I'm, we should probably mention some of them, right? Panda Global is doing a really yeah, good Panda, job. Well, they've gotten rid of the global. Now it's just Panda. Oh, yeah. are they just Panda yeah. now? Okay. Yeah, they yeah, had a redesign. Okay. Uh, Equinox yeah. is a really good yeah, Equinox. team. Yeah, Equinox. is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly some examples of that. Yeah. We don't we don't have as many like outside big esports organizations as we did at one point. Mm -hmm. But these more endemic groups i think are doing a good job yeah. so uh, yeah i mean i'm i'm not upset about about that stuff i think we have a good situation going it's just i no. understand that there aren't as many opportunities as maybe it seemed like at one point mm -hmm. for players to get paid that might actually be true but i think that's just the realistic situation that's how it is in fighting games i would love it if a lot of people got paid to play it's not like that i'd be surprised if it was like that in the foreseeable future just take that to heart, you know, understand that. Yeah, and the pandemic certainly didn't help the situation because nobody's uh, actually able to oh, yeah. represent or do anything. So, yeah, and I do want to mention EG as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I don't mean to say that all the big esports teams are gone. There's still EG doing stuff. The Pittsburgh Knights just picked up a Mortal Kombat player too easy. Like, there definitely are some examples, but at one point it felt like Echo Fox had 100 players, you know, and... <laughs> That's, that's I that go kind of a stack team. <laughs> they had a ridiculously stacked team. But, they had the best players in like at least three or four different games. But you know, I, I see. I look. You know, AJ uh, used to manage a team, and he has in his profile that he has like four Evo champions. I'm like, dude, that's like you know when LeBron stacked Miami. Like, are you? Do you really <laughs> have those championships, bro? Do you really? Wow. <clears throat> oh man. I mean, yes, to, yeah, EG is still around. They have Sonic Fox, and I know Ricky Ortiz is one of the, the, the heads of... Yep. She's in, like, one of the top positions now. And, and again, you know, one of the things that I always like to mention was that, you know, uh, she's literally, I think, on the, the record right now for longest player on a team of any esports, of any game, of any organization. <laughs> she literally has the record for the longest player on any single esports team ever. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's probably since 2010 or 2011. Yeah. It's a long time now. It's been a long time in esports now. Yeah. Forever in esports. That's like, a, I mean, yeah, I would say that's like a third of esports life, basically. <laughs> yeah. If you we were go back to the beginning. esports at the time. Yeah. That's pre-esports in the FGC. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Okay. <clears throat> Let's talk about some good news. Some good news, you know, especially not just we just came from bad news, but Melee hasn't been getting a lot of good news recently. But just recently, something fantastic happened from here and uh, for their scene and everything like that. So uh, what exactly happened, David? Let us know. So they had the, okay, yeah, a bunch of good stuff. So to start with, there was the metagame documentary that we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. As that ended, they started the five days of Melee. And this was a charity focused uh, set of streams. It was on twitch.tv slash BTS smash. Uh, 225 plus people were involved. It's a huge undertaking, and they just had a literally five straight days of 
I mean, 24 seven like, consecutive days oh, dang. of okay. speed runs, panels, <laughs> game shows, exhibitions, a ton of different stuff uh, for people to watch. And yeah, like a hundred, plus straight hours was 108 hours, whatever that Jeez. is. Ridiculous. Extremely long. I, I hope they have like four crews working that stream. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, again, they had a couple hundred people plus involved, so it was a big undertaking. And in doing that, they were raising money. So wait, 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 wait. The 225 people you said involved were not the players. It was just the crew, staff helping. Oh, I think I think that includes players and staff Dang. and everybody. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I watched some of it here and there. There were I watched, you know, an exhibition for one of the top players just versus whoever wanted to play <laughs> on Slippy. Uh, there were game shows. Um, what was it called? Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? I think it was the. <laughs> nice. Was awesome. That's actually good. I see you shaking your head, Tomo. That's a good one. That's Dude, good. There were other you know, well. it just tells you how much I am about you know puns and everything. I hear something like that, laughing. Uh, I know you talked about this, David, but uh, uh, you watch Carl Sagan doing the speed runs of Super Mario stuff, right? You and Kent Lee have been watching Carl Sagan, like. Yes. Yeah, uh, that it's also one of Olaf's favorite streamers, and so I'll watch some stuff with him sometimes. And he made a pun about one of the Monty Moles like launching him, and he called it Momentum. And like I just started like dying, and Olaf just laughed at me. He was like, "That's so on brand for you." Uh, <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, I was told that the project started on November thirtieth. So that there was. It's a lot of planning in there. Uh, Matt in the chat right now is saying... Oh, dang, he showed up. What are you saying? Um, we were all between 220 to 250 hours. That is amazing. Jeez. Amazing. So that's a Slow huge work. amount of time to spend on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, when it ended, it went right into uh, the Ludwig Algren mm -hmm. Championship Series 3 Charity Edition. It's just a big, a big major mm -hmm. online, of course. Again, they're playing on Slippy. Um, and so, so they were all raising money. So for direct relief, they raised over $56,000. Direct relief uh, has been doing stuff during COVID, like getting PPE to healthcare workers, medications as well. They've given out 46 million N95 and surgical masks, 8 million gloves, 36 million plus in direct financial support to health facilities. Huge amount, right? That is, that is big. Yeah, that's cool. 56,000 bucks. And then during LACS, uh, they raised over $261,000 <laughs> for Games for Love, which partners with children's hospitals to do video game related programs. You know, so kids just don't feel quite as terrible as they're stuck in the hospital, uh, sure. which is really cool as well. So that is over $300,000, over $317,000, in fact. Dang. A tremendous oh. amount of money. Um, so again, a ton of work that was put into this. And they got a lot out. So shout outs to the scene for, I mean, there you know, you not, just, not just putting that all together, <laughs> not just putting that all together, but then for people, a lot of people were watching. I mean, as I was watching, there were a, lot, there were a bunch of people checking it out uh, and for raising over 300K, you know, in, in that amount of time, uh, that is, that is impressive. It's awesome. Yeah. Congrats to everybody. Cool. I mean, the Melee community has shown time and time again that they are one of the more 
you know, powerful and potent communities when they all put their mind together for something, right? I mean, obviously, even just getting back into Evo that one year, you know, that yeah. was kind of one of the things that kickstarted the revival of Melee at, at one point in time. So, you know, shout outs to the Melee community. Uh, there was also a tournament that happened there, right? So that was the tournament for, uh, and, and Mango won that, huh? So Yeah, man, Mango won it. I watched a little bit of it. Uh, I had a bunch of Mortal Kombat commentary to do, but I did watch uh, a little bit of it, and he basically dominated. Um, he didn't, as far as I saw at least, I hope this is not wrong, but I didn't see him ever get to a game five. Like, it seemed like he just, you know, <laughs> dominated through everyone. it. Uh, yeah, basically, right. So, uh, and and a ton of top players were there, so it's not like he was beating on nobodies. You know, it was, it was the people that you expect uh, were there, so... That was cool. Uh, it was a ten thousand dollar event. The winner picking the charity that the money goes to. Oh, nice. So, okay. I mean, again, like this, the whole situation was just a lot of charity raising, a lot of community work, uh, and and that that is great. As you mentioned, as we started talking about this topic, things have not been great for the melee scene mm -hmm. lately. Um, I was planning to bring this up a little bit later, but I guess that's silly. Might as well just bring it up now. Bring uh, it up now. Bring it up now. So play VS can't run Smash. I saw a tweet from uh, the Crimson Blur on this, which was hmm. saying that uh, play VS is a startup which has raised one hundred and six point two million dollars to grow collegiate and high school esports. Oh, right. Their intention is basically to you know help hmm. people play and and get used to esports and have have these programs in schools, and they wanted to use Smash, and um, they wanted to use. Uh, uh, Melee and Nintendo said no. Nintendo didn't okay. allow that. Um, so you look. I mean, that <laughs> that that kind of stuff is still continuing. So for a scene that has dealt with that and the cancellation of the big house and all the stuff we've been talking about, I feel like for each of the last like three or four weeks, it's just been constant lately. For them to have this kind of thing that the scene really comes together around. By the way, still on Slippy, still doing the thing that Nintendo doesn't want them to do. Yeah, uh, and and. <laughs> Keeping it going and raising a lot of money all at the same time, I think, is really, really great news. I mean, it, it, too many Falcos in the chat even says that uh, the streams got to about 90k viewers total, Dang. Uh, just cool. with all the restreams and such. So, there you go. How did they get away with using Slippy? How did Nintendo not hear about this and send their assassin over to take down the street? <laughs> Sheik shows up and is just like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Just some some regular looking woman walks down the street, and all of a sudden she, you know, presses Poops. a button. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Why they were allowed to do this? If Nintendo knew what was up or not? Uh, I. You know. Uh, At this yeah. point, I'm just going to assume they just didn't alert Nintendo. Yeah, <laughs> very well could be. Yeah. Just, just do it and then ask for forgiveness later. No, I, I did. Know. So Investigation Comb brings this up. I didn't see the details of this. And I know we're over time. I accidentally reset the timer and everything. But uh, oh. apparently there was some document showing that Something about a 3DS homebrew situation where I guess uh, what Investigation Code is saying is that there's a strategy doc of Nintendo showing that they like stocked a 3DS home dev, a homebrew dev, and like literally full on surveillance of them and almost kind of like. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so uh, that's unfortunately to look up and find out more information on. So. Cool. Great. Okay. All right. 
Capcom All right. Cup. Capcom Cup. Let's move on to the next one. Okay. Capcom Cup had some news. That's right. We talked about it the other week when we were mentioning the fact that, look, <laughs> the, the news window for Street Fighter V, extra stuff, for a discussion about Capcom Cup was basically coming to a close because it was mentioned as being winter 2020. Mm. But uh, it turns out that what they meant by winter 2020 extends to February. That's fine. I, <laughs> I, I'm just going to say that I, I called that. Yeah, we <laughs> not a big surprise. Tobo, who's taking credit for not a huge surprise in any case what they are doing for capcom cup is they're putting it in punta cana in the dominican republic and it will be february 19th to 21st if you recall it was originally supposed to be in paris that was before right. covid destroyed everything so it's not going to be in paris it's not going to be anywhere else it will be in punta cana in the dominican republic and when they mentioned this, they had a blog post that they linked to as well. And that blog post detailed a ton of safety precautions that they would take mm -hmm. in this. I mean, very detailed mm -hmm. stuff. What do you do when you get off of the airplane to, you know, go to the to the venue? There's vans that are going to be washed down regularly. You're going to be separated from people. You'll have masks on. You're going to be in your room. They're going to do testing. Like, it's just a very step-by-step. -step. Here's all the stuff we're going to do. And I thought that was great, first of all, that they did mention that. Um, when they did Street Fighter League, they did do testing. And they didn't yeah. talk about it. And I always wondered, like, why didn't you say that yeah, you weren't yeah. being just flippant with these players' lives? Right. Like, yeah, no, yeah. they actually, they did testing. Uh, I mean, I don't know if this always actually worked out, but they did try to get the players to separate from each other. Uh, they did, even before, you know, testing, uh, they were trying to keep the players safe. And then they did. I mean, it was mission accomplished. So right. I mean, you can you can barely even tell, but there's a glass plate pane between Vicious and Tasty Steve. Shoutouts to their production crew for putting it at just the right angle. You could barely tell, but it's there. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't talk about this stuff. To me, this was so important to hear. And so I'm really happy about the, the fact that they are talking about it this time because, it, look, the pandemic's still going on. It's worse than ever in our country, and in other places, it's getting worse too. Yep. And that's not going to end for a while, even though we have a vaccine. Yeah. It's can, just not going to end for a long time. Uh, again, I saw. I apologize for kind of derailing things, but it related to the previous topic and this. What we're talking about here, there was news, unfortunately, that Prague, you know, Winton Smith, uh, Prague Ducto, announced that he did come down with COVID. And, yep. you know, he said he had stayed indoors the whole entire time. He went out, like, one time for his job, and then he ended up getting sick. So, you know, that's how scary it is right now. It's just, you could take all the precautions you want, but it's, like, it's just, it's out there, man, and it's it's scary times. It's not going to get better for a while. We all know that. Well, everybody should know that in any case, you know what I mean? So when it comes to having a tournament that's offline, in person, that people will be traveling to in February, which is not that long away, mm. so two months away. First I read about it, I was concerned, of course, that, that they would be doing that. So I looked up the numbers of the rate of COVID in the Dominican Republic. It's lower than a lot of places. They are actually doing a good job. Okay. What I was told, what I, I read about it just a little bit, is that this, that may not be due to like anything other than just big old luck it's just happened to work out maybe okay. due to some reporting not being entirely there as well but in any case it hasn't been nearly as bad as it has been in, in some places and in this particular spot punta cana is just a 
basically private resort. It's separated from everything else. You're not like in a major city, like you're in the boonies uh, on, on a beach. And so it's a lot easier to have people maintain distancing because where are you going to go? You can't go anywhere. You're just in this spot. (laughs) And they're going to, again, have testing. So once you're there, you know, everybody hopes that it will be okay. So they they are trying to make it as safe as possible, which is good to hear. I mean, I I don't know that it, like, needs to happen, to be frank. I mean... But it is happening, and they are doing uh, what seems to me about as good a job as you can do to keep it safe. One of the things that makes me most sad about it, honestly, is like at this point, I mean, it's funny because it's probably safer for a lot of the international people to go to Dominican Republic than it is for them to fly into the United States. It absolutely is. 100%. You do not come to this country right now. You do not come here. The thing that makes me the most sad, the thing that makes me the most sad, honestly, is that you put an event in the Dominican Republic because those guys are going to get loud and they're going to be excited. Nope, there's but no negative. there's no audience. And so putting it in the Dominican Republic, I hope they put it back there again after all this is done because I would love to be able to put on an event like Capcom Cup in the Dominican Republic with their audience going absolutely bonkers for every single match and it will be thunderous. It will make the event just like, it would enhance the just the audience interaction of the event so much. And uh, that's the only part that, you know, I feel like is a major shame is that you know, we're going to Dominican Republic and we're not going to be able to get their audience to go nuts for us. Don't worry. We're going to come. They're going to come back next year with a better game in Street Fighter 6. Hopefully, <laughs> so will really get excited. <laughs> you, you have been playing Street Fighter 5, buddy. I, I have been. That doesn't mean that I think it's a great game, though. You like it now. It, it's like a 6 out of 10. You like it now. Don't even six out of ten is actually pretty impressive compared to what you said months ago that there was nothing redeeming. (laughs) Yeah, I would have given that game like a two. (laughs) I felt about Street Fighter Five the way David felt about or feels about Sam Show. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What? I don't know if you could feel that strongly about it. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely, I definitely did. Anyway, so this this Capcom Cup news uh, again. I don't want to have the world stay. I don't want to have the FGC in the whole world just put on hold because, like, my country is just particularly stupid about things. Yep. And, and I feel the same way about the other countries that are just being big idiots about this. There's a big handful of them. And they should not shut it down for everybody because some countries are handling it fine. So, you know, I would have been really happy if it had been in New Zealand. We talked about Taiwan, right? The companies are countries that have been doing a good job. There's more than that as well. I mean, I don't know if it's practical to send everybody to New Zealand. It's super far away from absolutely everything. Uh, is that like, can you pay for everybody to fly there? You know? Yeah. The yeah. Dominican Does Capcom fly all the players out. Is that what they do? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they oh, do. They do. Dude, yeah. I don't know if you just saw, but Taiwan had its first COVID-reported case since April this month. So wow. just now, it had its first case. And you know what? Came from the U.S. From a New Zealand pilot who flew from the U.S. to Taiwan. And he caught it while he was in the U.S. 
Sounds about right. We're so stupid. <laughs> yeah, that makes absolute sense. That makes absolute sense. Uh, right? Shot. Anyway, so oh my God. I don't want the I don't want the FGC, the Capcom FGC, to just like be put on hold forever. So okay, I understand that they're running it. I hope that it will be safe, and I'm really glad that they're taking as many precautions as they are because they're. It's important. It's important not just to be safe. That is, of course, important. But also, I feel it's important to have to to give the impression of taking it seriously and of of feeling like the people who are running it care about you as somebody who's a player or a mm-hmm. you know staff or whatever it is. That's all really important, and I think that they are doing that. So good job to them on that front. Now here's a question, right? Because this is a question that I'm wrestling with myself. You know, if they ask me to go. They ask you to go, David. Would you do it? Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I've been thinking about it. Yeah, and <laughs> same. I, they, uh, they didn't ask me last year, but if they do, <laughs> oh, got him. Got him. You're but, you're an NRS guy now. Who? I don't know. David who? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I don't know. It would just depend on. I mean, to be crass, how much money, maybe. Right. Uh, I, I don't know. Listen, Capcom, I personally love Street Fighter V, so if these two guys don't want to go, ten I, out of ten. you can hook me up. I'll be there, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> ten out of ten, you think Street Fighter V is, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Whoever said it was anything less? That game is masterpiece. <laughs> Wait, can you can you rephrase that in like one succinct sentence? What absolutely not. No, I can't. <laughs> just like some, no way. some I can't do that. Quote that I could just I can't, I cannot do again. that. No, no, I refuse. <laughs> I will not. Just There's a no clickable way. moment of you saying Street Fighter Five is really great. Nope. No. Mm, nah. I, Brandon Brockman. Capcom, <laughs> <laughs> you can keep your money. Never mind. I don't want it. It's not worth it. I don't care how much you pay. It's not worth it. Oh man. Uh, I have my dignity. Uh, so, is there anything else to say about the fact that it's going to be in the DR? Uh, nope, not nothing else to say. Okay, well, there's a little yeah. bit more to say about Capcom Cup just in general. We have a few minutes left here. Mm-hmm. So there was the fan vote. It's over now. Luffy dominated that vote, and he, as a result, qualifies for Capcom Cup. He blew it up big time. We mentioned last week that he had the French government on his side. <laughs> yeah. Tumbleware was opposed to I that. still am, yeah. Well, it doesn't matter what you think, buddy. <laughs> he got 35,000 votes. Second place, Zenith, 26,000, just under 27,000 votes. Third place was not even in the building. It was Tokido with 11,000 votes. Then you had Punk with 10,000 votes. Sako was down the street with 5,000 votes. Like, it got down <laughs> to... It was, it was a totally different story at that point. So... Yeah, Luffy makes it in. Obviously, he's been in Capcom Cup in the past. He's a fantastic player. That's a great pick. He's not just somebody that obviously has a lot of fans, but also is a really strong Street Fighter player. So mm-hmm. I'm happy that he's in there. I do think that it is... I mean, if you went back before this year started and we all thought it was going to be a normal year, we're going to have a normal qualifying process, who's going to be in? A hundred out of a hundred people would have said Punk and Tokido make it. Right. Yeah. Neither sure. one makes it. No Punk, no Tokido, no Problem X, no Bon Chan, you know, yep. most recent Evil Champion. Yeah, yeah. Mago, Momochi, Fudo, a lot of, Big Bird. I mean, a lot of really, really strong players are not in there. Whew. Yeah, that's, I mean, it is what it is. Luffy cheated. 
<laughs> you know what? Everybody else was right neck and neck with Luffy. And then all of a sudden, these huge, massive dumps happened. Who knows where they came from? Just overnight, massive dumps of votes. They're and all of a sudden, dumps. Luffy won. Dumps. Massive dumps. Yeah. That's yeah. what happened. And Luffy won. I just, I, you know what? I've seen the evidence and I know better. There's absolutely no way that Luffy won that contest. Okay. I'm just saying, just like, you know, people doubted him against Bonchan at Evo, right? I would say that Luffy rose to the occasion. So got him. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. What if that was Capcom's plan the whole time? This this conspiracy theory just got blown wide open. Thanks, James. <laughs> they wanted Luffy to be there to show off Rose. To the reveal Rose. That's what happened. <laughs> they, they, Capcom was the one doing the dumps. It makes sense now. Wow, Capcom handing out dumps. Planned it dumb. all along. Grinning only to answer your question. No, I honestly don't. I don't think he cheated, and I don't care that much. I'm glad yeah. he made it. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm just joking around. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. in addition, just we have a couple minutes left to talk about this. As a result, we know all of the groups because the groups were arranged in advance based on the winner of various regions. So here are the groups. Group A, Idom, Kaba, SKZ, Nephew, Takamura. Oh, really? Oh, because Idom won Capcom Cup, not because he qualified through North America or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Do, you, do you have and a then... picture of this? Uh, did you have a, uh, is there a, like... Or I can put it up on stream by any chance, or no? Pick, huh? I mean, I, we did have one deep in the run of show somewhere. Okay, no worries, no worries. Continue then. Probably find that, Continue but... then. That's fine. Okay. Uh, what, if, <laughs> what if I lost my spot? Sorry. <laughs> uh, you were at IDOM. My bad. Yep, you're right. I'm at I'm at Idom. So Group B is Jiwa, Picoro, Daigo, Mandrake, and Phenom. Group C is Rumors, Mena RD, Gachkun, Smug, and Infectious. And then Group D is Luffy, which is qualified, of course. Jaleshe, Sien, Samurai, and Angry Bird. It's a good list of players. I mean, there's a lot of strong players in there. Yeah. I don't know that some of the players. I mean, to be frank, right? Like, you would think that in a normal year of qualifying, definitely Punk and Tokido make it. Probably some of the other players make it who we just mentioned as didn't qualify. I don't know that some of these players do. You know, right, but, yeah, yeah. but I, I'm not mad about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I actually think that's kind of cool that we get to see people like rumors from Australia. Like, I'm excited to see how that goes. I'm excited to see players like Jaleche from Brazil. Mm -hmm. Like, players that we just don't get to see that often. And I really like the regionality of it. This is yes. super region. Mm -hmm. I like yeah. that. I think it's That's a good result. Cool. If it's harder to qualify from Japan, bummer. That's all I got to say. You know what? Sometimes it's harder to qualify from the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference, too. Sorry. Yeah, that's how it is. That, I'm not opposed to that. that. Sometimes the Pac-12 is super sick, and sometimes it sucks, and you just, you know, I mean, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like the internationality, the internationalness of it. I think that actually gives it a lot of cool flavor. Unfortunately, it does mean that we don't get players like Bonchan and Punk and Tokido and Problem X, but, you know, yeah. that it's it's a weird year. It'll be a weird Capcom Cup. It's just, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's it for this. Okay.
Well, our guest for today is Kate McGee. But will you want to take a break before we get to that? Yeah, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to her. Uh, she's heavily involved in a lot of the physical therapy stuff. She's worked a lot with the Melee community. Obviously, they've had problems with GameCube controllers and stuff. I just basically destroyed my hand recently in Marvel and, you know, was hoping to oh, talk no. to her about some James, advice. out here to get free PT advice. Now I Dude. know why he's on the show. Take an advantage. Wow. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about here. I don't know what you're talking about here. So, but uh, All right. you know, we'll we'll get uh, a word in with her after this break. Be right back. Okay, let me see. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. And you guys should actually be able to hear the stuff now, right? Can you hear that music this time, Brandon? Sure can. Well, even if I could, it's it's like muted on my end. Uh, nope, I can't hear it. I turned it up. Well, not even in your headphones? Nope. You can't hear it in your headphones, huh? That's weird. I thought I was going to fix that. Let me see if I can. It's all good. All right. Oh, hey, wait. I know. I know why. Because I need to do this. Now you should be able to hear it, right? Now I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you guys will be able to hear the birds and all that stuff like that. So I have nope. that all set up. Hang on. I'm going to grab a drink. I'll be right back. Well, well, well. Yeah, yeah, David. Well, well, well. People cannot hear us, by the way. We are alive. Well, well, well. <laughs> hey, thanks, Richard. Much obliged on the sub. 64 months? Unbelievable. Have we been existing for that long? <laughs> oh, dude, this is our ninth. You guys are ancient. Yeah, I know. But that that's a five-year streak, dude. That's a five-year streak. I need to make... So, I mean, there's that gold medal uh, badge there that was designed for, like, if you've subscribed for a year, because, you know, who thought that it would get above that? <laughs> but now I feel like I've got to... Uh, uh, make some new badges. Hey, you can make one for five years. We gotta get a 10 year in there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start busting out some of the- We're gonna, we're gonna have our golden jubilee year eventually. It's gonna be weird. When did, when did you wait? When did the show start? 2012, I mean, January 2012. Yeah, that's in a year, dude. What? Yeah, I know. Oh, you mean the, the 10 year? Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I mean, nobody will have 10 years straight of subbing, but yeah, we'll have been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. That's yeah. so crazy to me, dude. All right, you ready? We've been doing this for that long. Uh, James said he was going to go pee or something. No, no, no. I just grabbed a drink. I'm back. Can't you okay. hear me? Uh, yep, we can. Okay, cool. All right. You guys ready for this? Sure. Let's do it. All right, welcome back everybody to the Tuesday show. Once again, I'm James Chen and I'm joined by Mr. Ultra David and Mr. Tubaware. Are you, is that? Oh, that's the grip thing that you have there, right? Doing his hand grippers. Doing my hand grip. Yep, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, today, as a special guest we have on the stream, we're going to have uh, Caitlin McGee, who has been doing a lot of physical therapy work for people in the gaming industry, especially the Melee community and such. So let's go ahead and bring her on over here. And hello. <laughs> hello. Welcome to Hi. the Tuesday show. 
Uh, I guess uh, first thing is uh, let people know, you know, what your background is in terms of, you know, what you're doing for a lot of the people in the fighting in the gaming community. Sure. Uh, my name's Kate. I'm a physical therapist. I've been a physical therapist for six years, and I've been doing esports and gaming PT alongside my regular day job for about the same amount of time. Uh, I mostly started with Dota and Melee. Uh, first tournament I ever worked at was actually uh, Pound 2016 uh, in uh, Virginia. Oh, nice. Uh, but I've been doing basically anything that relates to being healthy and feeling better in gaming. So sometimes that's injury prevention, sometimes it's injury management, sometimes it's like performance and like improvement type consulting and coaching type work. Uh, I co-own a company called 1HP. Mm -hmm. We provide health and wellness services to basically anybody in gaming, competitive or not, who needs it. Uh, and our goal is to help people play more and hurt less. Nice. Now, I, I know uh, you mentioned 1HP. I was going to bring that up a little bit later, but there's other people on the on the uh, staff that can help people out as well, right? So There are. There's, uh, let's see, we've got multiple physical therapists now. So we've got me and Matt who co-own. Uh, also, my cat is apparently saying hi in the background. <laughs> uh, we've, we've got uh, Dr. Elliot Smithson, who is also a PT. Uh, we've got uh, James Chung, who we just brought on recently. He's a chiropractor, which like is actually kind of interesting because PTs and chiropractors mm. historically don't have a great relationship. Right. Uh, but we like this one. He's very evidence-based and he's realistic about what chiropractic can and can't do. Uh, and we actually just brought on some uh, some folks from Australia, one of which I can tell people about because we've already announced it. His name's Kev. Uh, he's a physical therapist and a researcher. Uh, the other one I can't actually tell you guys about yet because we literally made it happen yesterday and we'll be announcing it later <laughs> this week. Oh, wow. Cool. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, but yeah, no, the team's expanding, which is pretty great. Okay. Well, I mean, for my own selfish purposes here, you know, I did, uh, you know, message you recently because I did end up getting some really bad pain in my arm. Uh, from playing a lot of Marvel from like a five to six hour session of Marvel. And I messaged you and you had talked about, you know, that you'd be able to help me out with maybe some more preventative stuff as opposed to, uh, you know, ways to, to take care of it and such. But, you know, one of the one of the reasons why I figured we could bring you on the show is because I feel like that this would be good information for pretty much everybody out there. Sure. You know, um, you know, honestly, before I even get into what I could do uh, to, to help with this, but obviously things are going to be very different based on whether you use a joystick or a GameCube controller or a hitbox or anything like that, right? Yep. So you're going to need different kinds of exercises depending on the controller. So there's going to be different areas that are under more or less strain depending on what you use, what your play style is, who you're playing. Um, I know at least in, in Melee, at least, you can actually kind of see some differences in terms of most common injury types by, like, character. There's a world of difference between the kind of pains that, like, Fox and Falco mains versus, like, Pooch mains or Puff mains have. Really? Um, wow. Wow, yeah, I would see have imagined Similar that. things, too, with, like, just the different style of controller that you use. Um, I know David and I have actually talked about this before, because I really, th I love his, like, split controller. Oh, yeah, I was um, going to ask about that. Style. <laughs> you know, we've had this conversation before, and I geek out about it every time. Um, but there's definitely differences. And it's not saying that there's necessarily one ergonomically <laughs> best thing. Or there are definitely ergonomically better things to do. But depending on what you use, how you play, how you move, changes what gets strained um, and what gets load built up on it, which then of course changes what you need to strengthen and improve endurance in. Yeah, because even with using a joystick, there's different grips and stuff like that that can probably end up with different problems as well, right? 
Yep, you are correct. Jeez, so for me, in my particular situation, it was interesting. It wasn't even the joystick arm that started to hurt. It was the buttons arm. And I think it was because the way Marvel is, you need such quick access to everything. I think I might have just like carpal tunneled my my fingers (laughs) in like freezing my hand. In carpal tunnel. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) we've verbified it. You can verb anything if you English hard enough. Yeah. (laughs) I think it was a quote from the Calvin and Hobbes comics or verbing weird's language, I think is what it said. But, um, like, so for me, I think it was just because I was keeping my hand very, like, rigid when I was hitting the buttons and it really started to hurt my arm, like, in this upper part over here. Like, what can, like, what kind of exercises can a player do if that's what they're starting to discover that they're that the the button hand is starting to to feel a lot of pain so there's two things to consider there there's what you can do in terms of exercise and what you can do in terms of ergonomics Mm -hmm. um so functionally speaking what you were trying to do by making your arm so rigid was you were giving yourself a stable base because your fingers needed to be really mobile Mm -hmm. which is pretty much true for most teams you need a stable base for mobile extremities from um, if that stable base isn't provided by an armrest um, or even just mm-hmm. leaning your arms on your lap, as we commonly see in the FGC, uh, you're going to have to provide that stability with muscular contraction. You're going to have to contract muscles in your arm to keep the elbow and the wrist stable mm-hmm. so that this can all be really mobile because otherwise everything just flops around and that's not very helpful. Right. Um, so first thing to check is, is there something about my setup that I could do in the short term to help me be stable without requiring my muscles to do quite as much work? Um, and then it is also, yeah, important to look at what can I do outside of that game time to improve the strength and endurance of these muscles. And for the most part, most of us in gaming don't need to make massive changes in our strength or like our raw power output capacity, uh, because for the most part, we don't need that. Um, we don't we don't need to be able to hit something particularly hard. We need to be able to hit something repeatedly in the exact same position for. <laughs> Yeah. I, mean, I, I, do. I hit buttons. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I mean, from a from a arcade standpoint, where you weren't sure if your okay, buttons were gonna work. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, valid exception to my general principle of you don't. Have to <laughs> cards. Um, but oh god, now I miss arcades. The pandemic yeah. ruins everything. Yeah, uh, it really did. So if you want to work on a stable base in your upper extremity, regardless of how hard you're going to hit a button, um, you need to start at the center of everything, which is actually your trunk. Um, so you want to start with, is your back supported? Which for the most part is the easiest thing that we can guarantee. There is something you can do to get your back supported. Lean against something, lean forward against something. Uh, once your back is supported, then you want to pay attention to the base of your arms, which is your shoulders. Um, the the thing that happens most commonly when I come on shows and podcasts for people is at some point I'll mention the word posture and everyone will unconsciously sit up a little bit straighter. <laughs> I'll be really amused if that happens. That I happen? definitely <laughs> did it just now. <laughs> so when you're paying attention to your posture, most of us think of, okay, let me you know lift my chest and pull my shoulder blades back. That is a good position. It's a nice neutral upright position. It's not the only good position. Um, and you don't have to force yourself into the extremes of that range of motion, you know, shoulders back, chest up, um, kind of head in a neutral position in order to have good posture. Mm. Um, the biggest thing to focus on in terms of having a solid base starting from your shoulder is looking at the position of your shoulder blade. Because uh, your shoulder is actually three joints. It's the, the big ball and socket joint. It's your shoulder blade. And it's a little joint here in the front, uh, your acromioclavicular joint. 
you want to pay attention to what your scapulothoracic or shoulder blade joint is doing. Uh, and you just want to do a little bit of retraction, which isn't so much about rowing your shoulders backwards as it is pinching your shoulder blades together a little bit. That just gives you a really solid base to support your shoulder from. And then all of a sudden, there's just not as much work that the, the rest of the upper extremity has to do in order to be in a solid position. Uh, and then the last one, of course, is looking at the, the last joint between the shoulder and the wrist, which is the elbow. Um, we stabilize that for the most part with two big muscles, biceps and triceps. Um, so if you really wanted to work out something endurance-wise in the gym to improve the stability of your upper arm, biceps and triceps um, kind of in equal amounts isn't terrible. Uh, but really, if I can only get you to work on one thing endurance-wise, it's work on your scapular retraction. Um, easiest one to do is literally just pinching your shoulder blades back and together uh, or doing what we call no monies, which is uh, elbows at your sides, pulling your shoulder blades back and together and then turning your hands out like this, like you've just reached into your pockets and taken your hands out and said, I got no money. <laughs> Bring it back and forth. Nice. This is also a really great way to reset your posture and you've been slumped for a while. Nice okay. little stretch. Okay. Yeah, I mean, as we've talked about this stuff in the past, but that's been extremely important for me. You know, I mean, I've had a lot of stuff going on. I, I still, so I have, I'm hypermobile <laughs> in many ways. And that has led to a lot of different problems among them in the spine and in a bunch of different joints. Um, so the last like two, three years now, I've been really dedicated to doing my own physical therapy. At one point I was going once or twice a week and doing exercises every day at home. Now I just do everyday exercises, uh, maybe once a month, once every couple of months I go in just for a checkup. Awesome. Um, but that's, I like, that's been- I love that way of looking at it too. Like thinking yeah. of, of basically like PT as a tune-up, um, even if you aren't active, actively having mm. problems. Like I would yeah. love for people to be able to have like an annual PT tune-up. Um, but Dave, you, you do something that I also have to do due to some similarly chronic hypermobility conditions. Um, and they're what I call your BAMs, your bare ass minimums, like the things that you have to do on a regular basis in order to stay functional. Uh, most people do have a couple BAMs um, because they have certain areas that they're putting under more strain than others. Uh, it's just if we make that a normal part of our habit, normal part of our routine, it becomes so much easier. Yeah, yeah. I'm Every day uh, that I do it, or every day that I don't do it, I notice that there's a there's a time limit to that. If yep. it's a few days, not a big deal. If it's a week, I start to notice that there's kind of an empty feeling in my shoulder. It's a very weird description, but there's like a lack of coverage in where I can move my arm. It's very strange. And then if I go two weeks, then you know standing becomes hard, mm -hmm. and my hands start to hurt, and my neck. I have headaches constantly. Like it it definitely ramps up pretty quickly for me so there's an incentive to like stay in at least a little <laughs> bit of shape which is then yeah. i can live um but yeah it took me a long 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 time to figure that stuff out a long long time mm -hmm. even though i knew i was in pain and didn't have control over my hands as well as i wanted to even though i knew that right like james is just talking about how he has he has pain turning that into like the action of going to see somebody about it and then actually taking that seriously those are those are different stories it took me a real totally long time to yeah absolutely and i mean we see that a lot with the pro players that we work with that you know they've made it as far as they have in their careers without ever needing someone like us so there's this resistance to well what do i need you for i've been doing it just fine on my own and it's not so much like a a slight to anyone who's dealing with pain or having an injury or he was even just told to come in for a consult with a pt as part of like joining a team yeah. uh, it's more of a yeah, you're doing okay. Can we help you do better? And if we can't help you do better, we're not going to force you to do things. <laughs> but if we can help you do better, then yeah, of course we're going to try and help because we want you to be as functional as possible. 
both in terms of, you know, as a professional, like that is, this is what I enjoy and derive satisfaction from mm-hmm. doing, helping people do the things they want to be able to do. Um, but also as a very selfish esports fan who just wants to see the best people play the best <laughs> they can for as long as they can. I want to help you get better. Yeah. I mean, we've had do a you, lot of, oh, sorry. Go ahead, David. Do you notice that there are, uh, is, is there like a sort of best practice <clears throat> equipment uh, that's been figured out? I'm more curious if there's, if there's research into something like that, or if you just, you know, having having done it, have ideas. Uh, you mean in on, terms of like peripherals or in terms of yeah, exercise equipment? In, in peripherals, yeah. Okay. And, not, and not just in fighting games or in Smash, but also in PC and, and the like. So uh, I'm going to give a very physical therapy answer. You've probably heard this answer before. David, the answer is it depends. Well, so the, the, the biggest and most important factor in that it depends is it depends what you're trying to do with it and how much of it you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there are absolutely optimal things in terms of this will reduce your strain to the largest possible extent based on what we have available right now. Um, so for example, with uh, PC gaming, uh, whenever possible, I like recommending split keyboards. I also recommend. I also know that that's a big jump for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and not necessarily something people want to switch <laughs> to. And there's only so many mechanical split keyboards available. I happen to have one of them. It's great. Um, so when that's not possible, we look at okay, what are the strains that you specifically are under, and how can we find the best equipment for you in particular? So I, recently, I did an article on uh, chairs, picking out a good chair. Um, it's one of the things we all think of most when we talk about ergonomics in a setup, right? Um, that one very much depends on what's your size. How long are you sitting for? Mm-hmm. How many hours a day are you sitting for? Are you going to be doing that every single day? You know, what's your height? What is your femur length? What does the depth of the chair need to be? Because are you shorter? Are you tall? Are you broader? Do you need a wider chair? Are you skinnier? Do you need armrests that are adjustable inwards? Right. Uh, there isn't necessarily one single best piece of equipment. Um, although I do very much like, I like Hitsbox style controllers in terms of ergonomics. I like split keyboards for people whenever possible. Um, Mouse is so very dependent on right. on hand shape, hand size, and whether you move more from your wrist, your elbow, or your shoulder that I can't give you one. Uh, and as a general principle, the more adjustable it is, the more I like it. So this may kill this may kill sponsorships for us in the future. But what are <laughs> what about gaming chairs? Like in general, how are like these crazy gaming chairs with these crazy bucket seats and stuff? You know, lumbar so support. In general gaming chairs are not as good as office chairs in general. <laughs> there are a couple gaming chairs that I don't entirely hate. Uh, the Respawn one's pretty good. The Secret Lab one is pretty good. Um, I will also add the caveat that a lot of gaming chairs are not bad if you are an <laughs> average size dude. So like mm-hmm. five, six and above, 140 and above size dude to about like six two, hundred and eighty, two hundred or so. Um, if you are outside of that range, you're probably gonna have a problem in most standard gaming chairs, regardless of how good they are ergonomically. Um, office chairs offer you a lot more variability there. One of the big issues that I have with gaming chairs is that bucket racing style seat is tilted up at the edge, which means you're getting more pressure put into the the end of your thigh, um, Mm. which is not great. Um, and that, that amount of compression over a long period of time is not helpful. In a race car, it makes perfect sense. You need to be seated securely in your seat when you're flying around a track at 200 miles an hour. Right. You do not generally have that issue when you are gaming. <laughs> and if you do, I'm very impressed. Um, yeah. The other thing, too, is, I mean, there, there are some good things about gaming chairs, right? The adjustable height uh, armrests, the adjustable height of the chair, both great things. Um, the the amount of give that the cushions have um, is, is not very much as a general right. rule. 
And if you're going to be sitting for a really long period, yes, you want firm support that, you know, doesn't collapse up from under you, but you also want it to be soft enough that you're not feeling uh, pressure on the backs of your legs, mm-hmm. on the backs of your thighs. That tends to, uh, one, get uncomfortable and two, affect your blood flow a little bit. Um, but I guess the biggest thing about chairs in general, especially gaming chairs, is I want you to be able to move in them uh, because as much as we talk about having good posture and we all think of one perfect upright posture, the best posture is consistent movement. So, you know, if you spend time sitting, you know, perfectly upright and then you spend some time sitting, you know, cross-legged, which my height just definitely adjusted a little bit when I did that, (laughs) and then sometimes sitting with one leg across the other, shifting position is far better than any one position could ever be. Hmm. And I've noticed a lot of gaming chairs with that kind of um, curve that they have to the side, make it a little bit more difficult to shift positions easily um, and frequently, which is which is really the best way to be going. Yeah, that's my biggest complaint about those gaming chairs. So I, I'm very fidgety. I can't sit still for very long. And I guess it's cool to hear that I've actually Good been- Good job, keep fidgeting. Gaming chairs is that they like, suck they suck you into a particular way of sitting mm-hmm. or so so what i what i do whenever sometimes on commentary we have to sit in these things for hours at a time <laughs> so I, like, I, I do this i like lean all the way forward and i'm basically like right at the front so that i'm not like sucked into this particular mm-hmm. spot i find it really uncomfortable yeah, uh, yeah and, we're, we're not a gaming chair sponsor. and then the downside of that is of course <laughs> that you don't have back support which is you know the yeah. entire point of having a chair um, which is also not great Oh man! So- is, is that is this something that there's like uh, active um, research into? I mean, are, are there are there is there a movement that's sort of taking gaming and all the PT issues surrounding it seriously, or is, are you kind of on yes. your own? On- um, so the the really great news is there there are a number more PTs. Like even then, just when I started, there were probably like literally three of us: okay. uh, me, Matt, uh, and Jordan Sai, who works with uh, Cloud Nine Gaming. Okay. Um, it's, it's, that was pretty much it that I knew of when we started. We all started right around the same time and kind of grew from there. Um, since then, not only do we obviously have more PTs at 1HP, but we have things like the the NYIT Sports Medicine Program has an eSports medicine division now. Oh, damn. Um, they hosted a summit that I was part of recently. Um, they've published a couple of papers. I'm actually working with a number of the professors there on uh, a textbook that we're putting out. Uh, there's so folks cool. like Lindsay Migliori, who, gamer doc, uh, she and I are also working on another textbook, um, and she does a lot of like health stuff for streamers. Um, you know, there's there's a number more papers coming out. There's actually going oh. to be a, an esports medicine focused uh, special edition of a of a research journal coming out soon. That's cool. uh, I'm submitting Super. a systematic review <clears throat> for registration at the end of this week, uh, and there was a whole uh, like front cover article uh, in the APTA magazine. APTA being the American Physical Therapy Association. Um, that talked about esports medicine and featured a number of PTs um, in the field, including me, which was pretty great. So there's definitely more of us than there were, and there's definitely people taking this seriously and really delving into the research on it. Um, Right now, the research is super limited, so a lot of what we do is draw on and extrapolate from other, like, analogous populations. So the obvious one is office workers, of course, but also, like, uh, air traffic controllers who sit for long periods of time (laughs) performing cognitively demanding activities. Uh, musicians, high stress performance situations, WWE performers, combination of entertainment um, and kind of competition. Um, destroying yourself. Third, third shift workers like uh, like nurses with the really weird and wonky sleep schedules. So like all of these are helping to inform our practice right now, which is good enough for the time being. 
but man, I can't wait till we've got really solid research available on like esports population specifically, yeah. not just gaming broad umbrella, but specifically esports. Okay. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, I'm excited to hear about that. I feel like I can ask questions for forever at this point because like people are bringing up standing desks and stuff. You know, as commentators, sometimes I stand up when we're doing commentary. I think yep. David's seen that before. I mean, is that recommended standing for long periods of time? I love it... sit-to-stand desks. Um, I think they're great because okay. they definitely fall into that. It's adaptable and uh, it lets you change position easily. I especially love standing desks for commentators because seriously, all of the color commentators I've ever seen at some point will jump up and start yelling. Um, <laughs> Y'all need standing desks for the sake of your necks. <laughs> Also, somebody can tasty see his own dedicated standing desk. Yeah. <laughs> no, he needs a trampoline. He doesn't need a <laughs> I don't think he needs a trampoline. I think that'd be far more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's already doing it. <laughs> oh, man. He's, he's proved he's not beyond a trampoline at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, here's the interesting thing. One of the questions that I wanted to ask was, like, can you recommend any sort of stretches or anything? But that sounds like that's very dependent on if you're a stick player, if you're a pad player, if you're a hitbox player. Yeah. It yeah. is. Also, more often than not, I'm going to recommend exercises over stretches because most people do a lot of or know a lot of the stretches they should be doing anyway. Like, everybody knows, you know, the, the wrist extension stretch right. and then the opposite, mm -hmm. the wrist flexion stretch. If you really want to get fancy, you can bias any finger with that. So if you wanted to stretch your thumb more, um, you could grip your thumb while you're doing this stretch. If you want to stretch your middle finger and or flip somebody off, you can grip your middle finger during this stretch and vice versa, <laughs> doing the other direction as well. Um, I often find though that, that the issue isn't so much people being tight because uh, the muscle is just tight in and of itself, but the muscle is getting tight either because you've used it a lot and you just need to let it you know, relax, shake it out, do some self-massage rather than necessarily than stretching, or things are getting really tight because they're not sufficiently stable and your body's response is, let me guard like crazy, tighten up these muscles. Whereas if you train those muscles for endurance, if you do the exercises on a regular basis, your muscles figure out this is how much I need to contract in order to provide stability. And I don't need to contract more than that. I can relax when this mm. is done. Yeah, that's such my experience that having hypermobile joints means that some parts of my body can stretch in really weird ways. And other parts are just completely frozen because my body's like figured out a way to stay stable. And that is by making some parts immovable almost. Yep. So a lot of the PT work that I've had to do is not not just to tighten up, you know, strengthen the parts that were too weak, that were too loose, but also to loosen up the other parts that had compensated for that by becoming way too tight themselves. Exactly. Um, and so the, I mean, if, if I was going to give people like, I don't know, three exercises that would be great for them to do, doing those scapular retraction ones to work on your base um, at your shoulders is great. Um, doing repetitive uh, wrist extension exercises with a weight. It's a really, you don't need a heavy weight. You can do like two to 3% of your body weight. So for most of us, that's gonna be under eight pounds. Um, doing like three sets of 20 of those to work on endurance more than strength. Um, and then in terms of a mobility one, uh, either doing wrist rolls like this, uh, which I like better than doing like this. I think you get a little bit more ease of movement out of them that way. Okay. Um, or doing a, a joint mobilization. So basically uh, taking your wrist like this and gliding back against the joint. Um, again, don't do this, David. You are already hypermobile, and you don't need to do that. <laughs> but if you've got, but if you've got, you know, limited range of motion in your wrists, taking a look at, you know, maybe is this a joint thing going on? Is this a muscle thing going on? Uh, but really, for the most part, most people need strengthening or endurance. Um, and if you're if you're interested in some of our routines, specifically for wrist pain or shoulder pain or neck pain or back pain, we've got those all up on our YouTube, uh, which is one uh, HP org. 
Uh, it looks like one H porg when you put it into your browser. <laughs> I am delighted by this every time I see it. <laughs> I mean, I, I almost feel like I need to give you contact with the Tetris community too. I don't know if you've seen the crazy thing that they've been doing recently. So because the new thing, no, I have not. Tell me because there's it's all about hyper tapping now, which uh, on a okay. Nest pad it means that they need to tap as fast as they can, but most players tap faster with their right hand instead of their left hand. So people are holding controllers like this and they're doing this crazy. And they're, I may, I, and I know even the, one of the previous champions, Joseph has actually said he's had some interesting uh, wrist problems. So I may have to uh, uh, hook you up with the well, Tetris community. At this point. Feel free to point them in my direction. Sure. Than happy to help. James, do you know the mechanics of that? Like, do they, are they like, are they like tensing their yeah. hand and then like stabbing yeah, a finger? Yeah, I think real so. Fast, but... I think so. Yeah, I don't know if there's any other really way to do that, but the tensing tap fast kind of thing is probably. I mean, there are some people who have taped this on the back end of a board and play it like this, so they can like do the right, and they're like <laughs> rotating with their fingers this way, like this, and they're actually <laughs> like hitting left to go right and right to go left. It's like the craziest thing, like what some of these people are doing, and it's wild. It's, it's, I mean, it's really cool, though, to see, like, how people are adapting in order to make their body do the thing that they need their body to do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that I see um, from, from folks who don't fully understand what's going on in gaming is, well, the human body wasn't made to sit there for that many hours a day and hit buttons. The human body was also not made to be able to pull pickup trucks or, you know, like, toss giant barrels all over your shoulder. I mean, you can train <laughs> your body to be able to do that. Right. You can train your body to be capable of doing this for long hours right. and doing it well and doing it safely. Um but yeah, no. One of the one of the fun things is always seeing how people work around what their controller setup originally yeah. is, uh, and how they make that work best for how their body works. Yeah, I know. For example, Joseph, the the not champion this year, unfortunately, but two champion, the champion two years ago, he plays with the controller so that his right hand is literally his thumb can hit this controller <laughs> over here like this, and he rotates with these fingers like this. So sometimes he uses his left thumb for the controller, but then other times he switches here. So I'm sure his hand is tensed up in this position all the time too you know which is probably yeah. not good boy is that a lot of ulnar db that's a lot of ulnar db yeah. over there. <laughs> i don't like to look at that <laughs> that's too bad because they're required to play on a nest pad which yes. is yeah. not ergonomic it's and, just absolutely not and so, that's, that's something i've talked to the whole community about because if they just recently released uh, a replication of the old Nintendo version on Tetris Effect. And if maybe we can jump to that one as the official version that we play on, people can start using multiple controllers. Yeah, but, right. man. but then that starts bringing up the idea of, is it considered cheating to use other controllers? But that's a topic that's, for other- I remember that coming up when we first, when people started, started talking about using the hitbox as well. Yes. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And I am, it's an ongoing discussion. It hasn't yeah. stopped happening it just dies down every so often and then flares back up again when somebody puts it in the rule set yeah. which i don't pretend to to know the full inner mechanics of, of how exactly hitbox functions and what does and doesn't fall in within the bounds of competitive integrity mm -hmm. but if we can make it um you know kind of fair in terms of rules and play then i am all for controller modifications that let people not screw up their hands I mean, it's yeah, we've been playing games for a long time, right? I mean, that's <laughs> I mean hopefully for the rest of our lives. I, I want to make sure that we can do it in a way that is sustainable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, within 20 years, we're all going to be playing it with our brains, right? That's what <laughs> the direction that we're going. 
I mean, that's always an interesting thing because even bringing up hitbox, remember, Sejam actually messed up his hands really badly by playing on the hitbox. So yep. it's just like, again, it depends, right? It's just like... It is, yeah. No, it's, it's not the be-all, end-all. Like, it's the same mm-hmm. way that, you know, getting a really good chair, like getting a Herman Miller, it doesn't mm-hmm. guarantee that you're never going to get back pain. If mm-hmm. you sit like crap in your fancy Herman Miller chair, you're still going to get back pain. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a matter of the equipment how you use it, and then what you're doing outside of that gaming time to make sure that your body is the, the, the kind of has the support that it needs to. Okay. We all think of the chair as the be all and end all of good ergonomics at a desk, but really good ergonomics and, and good posture and injury prevention all start away from your desk or console or wherever you're playing. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, well, thanks a lot for coming on. Is there anything that you would like to plug or mention or otherwise talk about? Yeah, like how do people uh, reach you if they have questions? For example. Let's see. Uh, we do have a website, one-hp.org. Uh, people can read all of our articles there. There is also a contact form if, in case people ever need an evaluation or an assessment set up. Uh, if you got short, quick questions um, and or just want to chat, hit me up on Twitter at Kate McGee PT. Uh, and you can also check out all of our videos on hand, neck, back, everything health, as well as things like aim training and how to improve your mindset uh, on our YouTube channel which is 1HP.org. Okay, that's the ooh, one with ooh. no dash in there, right? No dash in the YouTube, no. Yeah, so it's 1HP.org, basically. 1HP.org, right? yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Please don't sue us, Disney. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, right, it's one of the last things I just want to say is like, do you, you guys know, uh, I, I mean, I'm talking to David and Tubo, you know BXA Squall, right? Uh, yeah. You know, he... He went to school studying for physical therapy. And at one point he asked me, he was like, man, I wanted to do sports physical therapy, but I also want to do gaming. How do I do this? And I was like, maybe you can do both. And so, you know, maybe I'll I'll send him your way as well. Go for it. (laughs) Maybe uh, he can have a future in this. So there you go. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, have a good night. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, this is a topic that, you know, obviously I've considered kind of important mainly because, you know, guys like, uh, poor guys like Alex Myers, uh, Julio Fuentes. Oh God, Tubo is disappearing again. Uh, no. <laughs> the cat has taken over. Nathan is getting, <laughs> Nathan, <laughs> look at him. He's concentrating so hard to make Tubo disappear right now, dude. No. <laughs> Only his curly mustache remains. Oh, man. But yeah, we've had a lot of players. Uh, PPMD, obviously, was one of the big ones that uh, unfortunately had to basically kind of quit because of that, right? So I'm not sure that was as as physical as as what we're talking about. Oh, was it? Oh, okay, okay. I thought he was mostly physical kind of thing, so, okay. In any case, uh, yeah, great to have her on. Extremely important topic. Definitely talk with her about it if it's something that you're curious about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look, I know that getting physical therapy is not financially in the cards for everybody, but if it's something that you can do, I really recommend checking it out. For me, it has been just a complete life changer in a, in a very literal, very literal way. Okay. Uh, to not be in constant pain, to be able to control my hands well enough to play the games that I like again. I mean, it's... It, that does. That's not just about physical, you know, f- feeling better physically, but about feeling better mentally because it really took a toll on me in retrospect that mm-hmm. I couldn't play the games that I loved so much yeah. and that I was 
hang around with people who are constantly playing games. I'd go to these <laughs> events and I would see all these people playing games and be like, I wish I could do that, but I know I can't. So I'm just, I mean, that was, that was tough. And yeah. it has really helped me out mentally as well as physically. I mean, now yeah. you're also even playing in tournaments and everything like that again, and that's pretty fun too, right? So. Yeah. I remember being at Evo and Stush with you and literally you saying, man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, but also, you two jerks, you old guys with your limb problems and your nerve issues, you took up all the questions. I didn't get to ask a damn thing. Yeah, yeah. What did you like two quips and you guys were just, oh! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't get a damn word in it's fine you asked literally everything i was gonna ask anyway okay, okay, like okay. whatever they got it covered <laughs> sorry you know because like when i played marvel that one time i literally freaked out because at that night my arm was in so much pain that i literally couldn't sleep and like i had to like put on like not even the solemn pause that you can buy here in the american stores i had to get the authentic chinese ones that my mom gave me from like a while back that's like way more hardcore or something i don't even know what the word is that you said but <laughs> i got a word for you yeah i mean it was interesting because in chinese we just call it solemn pause and like when it came out in america it's actually just they just called it solemn pause which is really really weird but like that happened and it started to come back again and so like i freaked out about it and it's never happened to me and i've you know obviously i've had like six seven hour fighting game sessions before and it's never happened but i really think marvel is a special case because it's so execution based and like you have to have your fingers in this moment to make sure you have access to all these buttons at all the time well, look, so like like she was saying pay attention to where you're putting your hands how yeah. you're sitting all those things I mean, I put the joystick on my lap during that whole interview because I was just like, how was my hands on this joystick? I was trying to figure out how it's resting yeah. there. So. <laughs> Something you got to pay attention to. Uh, not long ago, James, somebody from Kuwait posted up a picture of us from when we were there. And yes, it has a picture like, of me playing. Yeah. And uh, my hand is, I could see my hands there. And that's, I don't know that I ever like specifically took a picture of my hands playing. Like, why, why would you do that? You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but in this picture, I saw what they looked like and they were so contorted. It was so weird. Oh, my, my little fingers were like bent back. I mean, hyperextended everywhere, you know, in a way that like uh, I can do and it doesn't really hurt, but it, it means that I'm not using my, my muscles in the right way. And it means that I'm, you know, gonna mm. be doing long-term damage. And I just didn't notice that at the time, right? For <laughs> however many years, that must've been happening for 15 years, right. maybe longer. And it, uh, ultimately uh, it was a problem. So mm -hmm. anyway. Keep, all right take care of yourself that's all yeah all right we tell so everybody to be safe and be careful with other people be careful with yourself too <laughs> very important yep. so all right so as far as the 5-5 five -five matchup goes we didn't have any specific topics that we wanted to bring up but we did have some fun viewer questions so here you go okay when does harmless trolling become harmful which fighting game characters were the most criminally underrated until they had pop-off performances that changed everyone's view? Number three, which of these methods would bring in more new players, make fighting game mechanics easier, or invest in content creators to expand viewership and awareness? Four, what do you think have been the biggest changes to fighting games over the last 10 to 20 years? How do you think they will change going forward? Five, should game journalist reviews for fighting games lean more on the casual side or expert side? Who should be assessing new games? 
Number six, there is a new fighting game. It's free to play, uses good rollback, has all the waifus and husbandos. <laughs> it has millions of players, pro circuits, and they pay commentators. However, characters are locked behind an abusive gotcha pull system. What do you do? Seven, across all fighting games, which stage is your favorite? So some of these are repeats from last week because, mm -hmm. as you said last week, we had I don't know, it was nine or ten questions, and a lot of them were really good. So the ones that didn't win last time, but that got more than like zero votes, I put back in here. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, so. A lot of a lot of good questions. Here's the winner, number four. What do you think have been the biggest changes to fighting games over the last ten to twenty years? How do you think they will change going forward? Interesting. Okay. So let's um, well, James is updating right now. Yeah, I'm updating. Waiting for the update. I, w I want my time on the floor, okay, David? Give me it. I'm go. waiting. And I right have now. back my time. I'm waiting for you right now. Go start. Uh, what I think the biggest changes have been the ease of execution. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, if you go back and you play any of the older games, try to do low forward into super and super turbo. <laughs> doesn't work you have to plank it uh you know like they, there's just like all these really weird intricate things that just don't happen as much anymore you don't see pretzel motions even in snk games as far as i know really happening nearly as often as they used to like execute ease of ease of access and you know with that comes ease of execution has definitely changed the most over the last 10 or 20 years but what do i think will happen in the future uh, I hope things stay where they are now in terms of execution because I don't want it to turn into every fighting game is Smash. Uh, not to say that Smash is easy execution, but the way you input special moves. Inputs, yeah. I don't want it to be just a flick of a stick or a singular input. <clears throat> I like how Grand Blue did it. I, I still praise Grand Blue, even though I don't play it anymore. Mm -hmm. I praise it for being the closest game to letting new players feel like they can compete with veterans, even though they don't really have a chance, right? Uh, being able to one-button DP someone feels good for a new player. Obviously, the, the, the veteran's going to use the actual motion and get full damage from the attack, uh, but if you can't do that, hitting one button feels great for a DP. Uh, so I think uh, Granblue did a really good job of meeting those two and, and being welcoming to new players. So I hope things continue on, on that regard, on that trend, but I don't want things to get even easier than they are. Uh, so I, I think a good example of that recently of any fighting game that have come out that's not Grand Blue would be like Dragon Ball Fighters. There's no DP motions in Dragon Ball Fighters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everything is a quarter circle forward or back. There's no half circles. Or there's it's just quarter circle forward or back and a button. I don't like that. I think you should have to be able to perform DPs. I think you should have to, you know, do half circle back or half circle forward and 360s and things of that nature. I it just makes the games more a more exciting to play because when you go from not being able to do that stuff to being able to do that stuff, it's extremely rewarding. Uh, but B, it makes it more exciting for like high level players or even just medium level players when they're watching a tournament to know the difficulty that goes into doing these things on the fly. I think it's really, really important to fighting games future to not simplify any further than we already have. Okay. I, I would say that I think the biggest thing that's changed is that, it, at least in 20 years, 
developers like figured out how to make fighting games. That's true too. Yeah. No, I was about to say my 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 answer was developers actually care. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so right. along the same I mean, lines, yeah. Because ten years ago was at this point yesterday for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was so recent. Uh, Street Fighter Five, Marvel Three Days. Street Fighter Four. Or four, yeah. Sorry, Street Fighter Four. But twenty years ago, even twenty years ago at this stage, is you know we were already coming out with games that people knew what the deal was in. But before that, you had games that had random windows to do things in, and they had random damage and stun values, sure. and and you know balance. execution. Balance. Yeah, balance was all over the place. Absolutely, <laughs> and all that stuff's better. All that stuff is better. So nowadays, I mean, you have people who grew up playing fighting games who are the designers, and they know a lot about games. You have people who have been tournament winners in the past who are, you know, high up in many of these game developers as well. So that that stuff, I think, has been, to me, the biggest change. Mm -hmm. Now, that early era, there was a lot of experimentation, and not just in, like, what are the game's mechanics, but, like, yeah, inputs, like, trying out bizarre inputs in some cases not just you know you had the pretzel motion but you had raging demon and stuff like that which is right. only one example of which has survived to modern times <laughs> whereas drug stalkers has who knows how many of them so that that kind of stuff has been tried out and we've all kind of like figured out how to end up at like kind of one spot the only game that is really different is maybe mortal Kombat, and the, and that is not even way different it's just instead of doing a charge back forward you just press back forward right, right. but you're not you don't have these like very complex motions so there was a lot of early experimentation in that kind of thing that i think we just figured out best practices for and now when it comes to designing games people are designing games with an idea to like what's fun or what's interesting or what's varied but that's in the game it's in the gameplay it's the character right so you see a lot more of interesting expression in terms of how the characters turn out than I think you did in the beginning. But that's not that's not a knock. I mean, people just at that time hadn't had that many years of experience in designing games. And now we do. And I feel like as a result, we're seeing a lot better stuff just consistently. Not that I think every game that's made nowadays is the best and all the games that were made back then were the worst. There were obviously very good games. Not every game is good today. But as a general rule, Way better, way better now. Just more consistently better nowadays I mean, than it used to be. I mean, honestly, you said like games now are better than they were back then. I mean, I think universally we can accept the fact that games now are way more balanced than they were back then. Like, is yeah. there even a balanced game back in the days? Hyper Fighting might have been the closest one, and that was developed by bad, bad. What's what? What wasn't that? CVS Two isn't that. CVS Two is pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean the top are good, but you can definitely win with some mid and upper mid characters. Uh, That's what do you know? Why would you even bring this up? Mid you're talking about are there twenty characters that are viable in that game? Like Yeah, I think so. Okay. That's fine, but there's like yeah. 50 characters. So this, <laughs> that's pretty good. Half the cast, that's pretty good for back For that time, it was. Yeah, that's why I said. It's not that right. bad. It's still not great for today's standards. Now, now for its time, it was pretty balanced. That have 40 to 80 characters. Yeah, but another thing, That's, too, yeah. is that CVS2 also has the reputation that all of SNK cast sucks. 
that it's like it's all Capcom characters outside Man, of like that's just not true. two or three uh, SNK characters like Hibiki, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's like wildly untrue. Yeah. I think yeah, if I don't you think that, that, the game think again, that, that wouldn't be the case. Yeah, I mean, the, the top tier is pretty Capcom heavy. But... Yeah. Anyway, well, whatever. If since David kind of took a little bit of, you know, where my answer is, I go with the second answer that I had was uh, the biggest change was going from arcades to consoles. Obviously, that's, you know, I've talked about how that transition is very similar to the to the offline to online stuff. You know, people saying online isn't real. It's all about offline. Same thing. Arcade, you know, console isn't real. It's all about the arcade, blah, blah, blah. And we'll probably get to that point, like, you know, Caitlin said that once we get to brain controllers, people are going to be like, brain controllers aren't the real thing. It's all about the hand controllers. You know, like... Look, this- man, if I can be finding is my brain you're all screwed i'm the smartest <laughs> man alive you would never defeat me the 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 the, the cycle is going to continue no matter what right that's it's going to happen however the particular transition i mean honestly the transition from offline to online has given a lot more people access to practicing things you know matchup knowledge experience etc etc and uh, being able to practice with whoever you want however the arcade to console the training mode I think is probably where that affected it the most. Once we got the console versions, the very first training mode in Alpha 1 was terrible. There was no options. It auto-blocked every single time. There's no way to set your meter up to a certain amount or whatever. Like There's literally no options. I loved it. And I was on there for 10 hours a day building meter with rows going like strong stronger upper guy upper guy upper upper upper, 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 to get level three to try this combo and if i failed i would dash back and do it again and build up all my meter and keep trying again but even that was amazing and then as it just got more and more complex training mode really has kind of busted the genre wide open i think that is probably one of the the biggest changes that's part of the uh the the transition from arcade to console because even when i was in the arcade i would go to the ucla free play days you know pay five dollars to get in and just sit there on a machine and just like practice stuff that's how i wrote my faqs and everything even on the snes versions i would block with my toe you know on the second player controller but having these training modes now especially as as detailed as they can get with stuff like Street Fighter V and and MK11. I mean, these training modes are are ridiculously robust now, and so I feel like sure. that makes it so that all of that stuff where we're experimenting and finding tech really fast is part and parcel of the the the, the training mode. So I feel like another thing is that a lot of games have. Comeback mechanics didn't really exist very often <laughs> in early games. Yeah, it's true. But as but other than that, I don't know that there's, and that's uh, not even in every case either, right? Or in games that have it, it's not always effective. So that's not like across the board. But I'm not sure that there's another one that's in terms of mechanics that every game has. I think I think instead it's been more like games have like kind of. Right. branched out we've had like all these new sub genres that have been created over the last 10 20 years the marvels basically the the anime air dasher type games uh that kind of stuff was not i mean it was around within a decade of fighting games coming out but that has really exploded maybe maybe you would say marvel specifically had that but now <laughs> there's half a dozen or more games in the marvel subgenre that, right. that didn't be there 
So that those games have exploded a lot, and and yeah, there's just more. There's just more variety. I think is the only other thing that I feel like is along is is across most games. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because, like you said, mechanically, I can't think of any sort of overarching mechanic because the mechanics are that's what makes the variety, right? Like yeah. you, you, you don't want like one mechanic can't change it that badly because I don't know if there's like one particular mechanic that crosses every game. You know, if that's the case, then the accidental canceling of normal moves to special moves in street fighter two was the most significant change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Okay. Well, anything else to say on this one? No, nope. All right. Okay. Let's move on to number two, which is when does, quote, harmless trolling, unquote, become harmful? It's a pretty broad question. Yeah. I don't know. What do you all think? I mean, you know, I talked about this during the, the Punk and Gustavo situation, right? When, when they were sitting there uh, yelling at each other and everything like that. Uh, as long as they keep it in the game, I think that's the most important thing. I do feel like once it starts getting personal, whether it has to do with gender or it has to do with ethnicity or age or, you know, something that they know about you personally, you know, uh, those, that's kind of when it goes a little too far. Uh, you remember, for example, when Dr. B attacked Justin and Ricky and started getting kind of personal with those uh, with his statements and stuff. That's kind of when I f feel like it becomes more harmful and starts going a little bit too far, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I guess my like general rule of thumb is like I, I like fuck with my friends a lot. Like I like to talk a lot of shit and mm -hmm. I say things that would be hurtful to someone I don't know that well. <laughs> but since they know me, they understand like it's you know it's jokes and I don't have any meaning behind it so I, I i think it goes too far when you're when you're treating uh in my eyes when you're treating someone you don't know as if you know them you know like don't don't approach someone with very low respect you know like like talk shit in game cool you know talk shit just like like poke fun at people fine but like there's a very obvious line when you cross that you know that you're trying to be hurtful to someone. So, like, just don't do that shit. Like, don't be an asshole. You hurt me all the time, Tubo. <laughs> I do, kidding. yeah. That's true. <laughs> and, you, yeah, know... you have to take each person as their own person. Just because mm -hmm. you're cool with one person to say whatever mm -hmm. you want to say. Right. doesn't mean that you're going to be cool with somebody else. That person doesn't know you. You don't have any kind of existing relationship there. Exactly. To put whatever trash talk you want to put in. Yeah, I think I think that to me is one of the biggest things is just making sure that you are taking it on a person by person basis yeah. rather than just yeah, thinking like well, I say these things to my buddies, so I should be able to say them to you, random. Like that yeah, that doesn't make no. any sense. So, yeah. Yeah. And and, and I'm I'm gonna say fun. this uh someone in the chat is saying that you can't be responsible for how other people feel about what you say. No, you are absolutely responsible for how other yep. people feel about what you say. That is 100% a false statement. Um, you absolutely are responsible for how other people feel. That is what society is. 
That is what being a human is, is your relationship with other people. That is absolutely what it takes for you to be a mature person, is understanding that everybody is going to react to everything you say differently, and that you have a responsibility to understand how you communicate with different people. If you think you can treat everybody the same and they're it's up to them on how they react. That is a sign of immaturity, in my opinion. That is a sign of, of you do not understand how society works. That's, that's just, that's how I see it. I think you're right. That's right. Yep. It, don't be a jerk. Yeah, yep. don't be a jerk for sure. I mean, there is, in some degree, to some extent, some reactions sometimes, I'm super hedging my bets here, obviously, uh, are, uh, are are overboard to something that somebody else says, like, right? But that's, in general, when people get mad at something that somebody else says, it's not for no reason. Right. Usually it's not, right? Usually, usually you did say a thing that is offensive, that's mean, that upsets other people. That's why they're mad, and that's on you. So, yeah, of course that is important. Um, again, I don't... You know, I just wanted to add, you know, if it's not something that you meant it to be hateful or hurtful, take the time to understand why it is. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. And even if you don't agree in the end, take some time to discuss with them. Take some time to figure out what it is about it that is hurtful. And, you know, just try to be as open and understanding as possible. And again, you know, you can be a cold, emotionless machine and nothing anybody says can affect you. You're in the minority, okay? Just because you feel that way and you have the ability to control that, that doesn't mean everybody else does. So, you know, that's part of the maturity of the world is if you react a certain way and you expect everybody to react the same way you are capable of reacting, that is where you need to change your mindset. The world yeah. is full of completely different people. And when you understand that everybody is a different person, that is when you start understanding how to truly live in a, a society on, on a planet like we have, basically. I think that's absolutely right and well put. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. I don't want to actually piss anybody off. I mean, I play a style that I enjoy that's, that frustrates people in games. <laughs> that's cool. We were talking about this last week. In the context of competition specifically, one of the reasons I like it is that it's an outlet for feelings like that, of like the, the sort of like schadenfreude, right? Of somebody else is getting frustrated and that can be fun, but it's specifically in these contexts. And if it's in another context where I know somebody is actually upset and we're not, we haven't like agreed to play a video game together or whatever it is, a totally different story in my mind. And, and I do not want to make anybody mad or frustrated. Absolutely not my goal anymore. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, that that's, that's a big delineator. And if you're somebody who likes screwing around, I feel that having this kind of competitive outlet is a great one for you, but just understand that it's, you can't bring it everywhere. It has to yeah. be stuck in a certain part of, you have to find a certain expression for it. And and to take it elsewhere is your fault. You're screwing up at that point. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, okay, uh, anything else that you guys wanted to say on this? I think we covered it. Don't be okay. a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone just- and, and Even when it comes to like, how far am I willing to go in screwing with my friends? I've even tamped that down over the years. Yeah, yeah same. 
Yeah. I used to be, I used to be way, as you know, I used to be way yeah. worse than I am nowadays. <laughs> yeah, we both were. Yeah, and, for and sure. Even before I knew you guys, you know, back in college, my friends and I were big time jerks to each other all the time. <laughs> I regret that. I mean, we're still friends, but I think that we would have had a better time with each other if there wasn't like some percentage of the time of us being dicks and then like thinking about how to get back at the other person. Just, just you mean, enjoy yourself you mean you regret burning on your frat brother's heads while they were asleep, David? Did you regret that? <laughs> I don't think I did No, that. you did that to I, your brothers. No way you did that to his brothers. He did that to his brothers. No way he didn't do it to his frat brothers too, though. I knew he did it to his brothers. Oh, okay. There's, I don't believe you. There's no way your whole college <laughs> career you went without farting on someone. There's no way. <laughs> I just I just won't believe you. I can't prove it. But I know you. Well, mm. unfortunately, I can't definitively say I didn't. A lot of those nights are, <laughs> lot of those nights are lost to history. <laughs> I don't have any memory of them, and I'm not sure my friends uh, oh, oh. I'm going to find some of your frat brothers and figure it out. Oh, man. Hey, uh, if there's nothing else to say this, uh, say about this, uh, yeah. someone else just put a link in the chat, and we talked about Prague's situation earlier, that he tested positive for COVID. Uh, apparently, 11 hours ago, 404 Esports tweeted out uh, that uh, they're closing. Poke Chop has tested positive for COVID this morning, so we will not run any events this week. Uh, they said that they believe he got it from his work, as a number of workers tested positive as well. But they're going to shut down their uh, event for the week just to make sure. And honestly, I mean, at this point in time, they should probably just shut it down and just run it online at this point, you know, to be safer. Well, but I, that's that's like part of the problem, man, is uh, our government's not supporting small business. So right. if 404 shuts down. They shut down forever, and they really rely on their local scene. Oh, really? Okay. Keep them up. Yeah, like their 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 Tekken and fighting game scene basically keeps their doors open, and they've been very open and honest about that. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, I like, I want to say that don't run locals and blah, like, but what are you gonna do as a business owner, man? You have to put food on your table and a roof over your own head. Like, yeah. it's such a shitty situation that we're all in, and. I just hope that Poke Shop feels better soon. I, I hope that they don't have to stay close long. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't condone them running locals, yeah. I understand why they have to. It just It's such a bad situation. But the thing is, you know, we can't help these small businesses right now because it's more important to brand our Space Force as Guardian, you know, and give them millions of dollars for no goddamn reason. Uh, if only we had given them only millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> only. Yeah, yeah. So is this tweet implying that Poke Chop works there? That was kind of what no, I No, 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 no. Okay. From, his, from his employment place. Okay. Yeah. okay a bunch okay. of people got sick. So, okay, yeah. good. Well, not good, but yeah. <laughs> we you know what you meant. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Best wishes to him and everybody else there, of course. Yeah, shout yeah. outs to Poke Chop. He knows we all love him. He knows that we all think he's one of the funniest and, and most energetic hype guys in the FGC and, and a sure. good guy overall, too. So, you know, part of that question of when does harmful trolling become, you know, when, when does trolling become harmful trolling? Poke Chop is the kind of troller, but you know that he has a really genuine heart and, you know, he's he's yeah. one of the guys who keeps it in the game and such, so...
for sure. There you go. Okay. All right, let's move on to the next one. We're going to be talking about this bill that Congress passed. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it is with the news, David. <laughs> okay. Good segue into that, I guess, you know, because we were talking about the space the news. <sighs> All right. Congress passed an omnibus bill. Included in that was a bunch of stuff, including what was supposed to have been COVID relief, and that kind of got destroyed. But there's a little bit that's coming out on that front. It does a lot of other things as well. And one of the things that it does is it criminalizes some types of copyright infringement that weren't criminal before. So there's a distinction between copyright infringement, criminal copyright infringement. Those distinctions are like, did you mean to do it? Are you infringing more works with a higher value? You know, are you, um, is this specifically for financial gain that you're doing it? Like there's extra questions for that. So that's relatively rare when it comes to infringement. Most infringement is just, you would get busted by the rights holder, the rights holder themselves could sue you, they could get money, it can be really a lot of money. But that's it's, you're not risking criminal action, which is to say the government itself brings a criminal case against you, where not only could you get fines, but you could go to jail as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so the person bringing the case is different, the results are different, you know. So now a new thing is criminalized, which or well, if the president signs it, I guess, but the bill is if uh, if you are running a business that is publicly displaying, publicly performing uh, copyrighted works without authorization on purpose uh, in a way that is only useful for uh, copyrighted infringement and that you're doing specifically to get money, specifically for financial reasons, uh, then you can be you can be a criminal. You can, you can get a felony. Uh, so that is definitely new. When this was first going around, a lot of people were concerned that it would make it so that not just like businesses running streaming operations would be criminalized, but also like what about normal Twitch users, YouTube right. users, people who right. do that stuff. And original versions of the bill, I think kind of did that. So that actually changed. You know, there was some pushback on that and what they ended up putting into the final version probably is not that. So what they put in is more focused on people who are actually running the business, on people who are running a business, again, that doesn't have any, that doesn't have like significant other reasons for existing than just copyright infringement, okay. which obviously Twitch and YouTube, et cetera, do. There's plenty of very legal things that you can do on those sites. You may own the rights, right? There's a lot of, you could get the rights from somebody else. That, that's really common. There's obviously a lot of copyright infringement, but it's not dedicated to that. And there's a lot of stuff that it can do, that both of the services can do that are not infringing. So I don't think that they apply, that this law applies to that. So okay. I'm not concerned, for example, that like one of us is going to get a criminal, that we're going to get a felony. You okay. know, I, I'm, not, I'm not concerned that most Twitch users are going to get a felony or maybe any Twitch users will get a felony. I think it's a little bit less clear than I would like about this, I would like it to be super clear that a user definitely can't get busted for it. I want that to like be very, very clear. It's not very, very clear, okay? <laughs> but it is probably the case. I think it's written intentionally so that the user can't get busted. I would expect courts to interpret it that way. You think it's written intentionally <laughs> so the user can't get busted. I do. But they left that door open so the user right. can get busted. Maybe, maybe. I mean, like I said, they changed the, 
way that the law was written beforehand, it was more, it was more, even more interpretable than currently yeah. is. So I think that they did actually try to head that off. And when it comes to a court interpreting this kind of thing for the first time, that process will actually be looked at, right? So, so you would, in order to interpret the law, part of the way that you do this is by trying to understand what was in the minds of the people who passed the law. And if they had a proposal that was like, bust users and then they were like okay hold you know we're not gonna do that we're gonna have this one that is a little bit more nebulous probably means don't bust users you'll look at that and be like okay they're probably intending to not bust users because they've right. made the change uh, so i i think that's true yeah i can't guarantee it though and there's a lot of jerkery and dumbassery in the government and in courts when it comes to how copyright is interpreted and enforced mm -hmm. so there's a lot of stupidity in that so i wouldn't be like hugely surprised if this were interpreted to bust users i just don't expect it to so it's not something that i would want to be clear i'm just not i'm not very worried about it okay, okay. i guess is what i would i would ultimately say here there is another part of the bill that maybe is more worrying that initially wasn't being addressed as much and that's something called the case act and basically what it does is it makes it is it builds a new way within the government itself for copyrighted enforcement to exist. Huh. So usually it's the case that if you believe that your rights are infringed, you would need to sue somebody else in a court. They defend themselves, right? That's the normal process of court. Uh, one side ends up winning or not, or you settle. But this is instead of going to a court, you go to like a copyright examiner basically, and you have them decide who's right here. And that's not a court. It's kind of like arbitration, but again, it's somebody in the government doing it themselves. Hmm. Under certain circumstances, you can then like appeal, but not always. The amount of money that you're gonna get busted with is less. I think it's $30,000 maximum, whereas the maximum for statutory damage is normally is six <laughs> figures, it's huge. Uh, so there is maybe like that is good. But what this I think means is that it's gonna be real easy to bust somebody on copyright infringement, or at least to like have this process started. And what that could mean is that overzealous rights holders could do things like uh, they don't like that you're using a meme that they just created. I'm going to refer you to this process, right? So rather than having to spend the money and time to like hire a lawyer, file in court, draft the brief, all the sort of, you just put it in this little uh, process and that theoretically is faster and easier for them to enforce their rights. You can opt out of it. So, I mean, there's things that, again, it's not, it's not complete control. But it probably will be easier to to sue. It probably will be easier to enforce right. your right, which I'm also not super stoked about. Yeah. Someone in the chat asked, "What are the implications of this on fair use?" Uh, fair use is a little baby. It's it's a little baby hiding under the desk. It, it's okay. not fair <laughs> use is not something to even think about for the most part. Okay. Okay. Uh, fair use is something that we'd all like. You know, those of us who are involved in content creation, <laughs> like YouTube, Twitch, and stuff, we would like. For fair use to be something that we could rely on and sometimes you can but it's usually just not going to cut it it's it's a it's a narrow set of rules that usually don't apply <laughs> and if you want to find out whether they apply you got to fight a big old expensive copyright law case and that's going to take you a couple years and like a hundred thousand dollars so and and in the end you're probably not even going to get your money back you're probably not even going to get the money you spent on a, on a lawyer back uh, or you could anyway but not guaranteed so don't don't trust fair use. This doesn't change fair use. It doesn't speak to that at all. So I'm not concerned about that any more than I already am. 
I wish that were improved. I wish fair use were stronger, but it's not. So, um, <clears throat> kind of like a, a little side on that. Um, you know, I'm, what one of the things that makes me so angry about this bill is that here's this COVID relief bill, and then let's throw all this other stuff to pay for Space Force and do all these other oh, crazy well, things. It, it's kind of the opposite. This is an omnibus <laughs> spending bill. And okay. part of it is COVID relief or whatever, okay, you know, the okay. weak stuff they put in there. But this is, this is it's going to have more things. It's just, gotcha. uh, it, okay. doesn't, it doesn't need to be like that. That's just how we do things. But yeah, I was going to yeah. say, <clears throat> Congress got a what, three hours before they were supposed to vote on it. And it was a 5,000 page document. Yeah, it's uh, just so, horrible. Yeah. You know, like obviously, our, our system is flawed. <laughs> obviously a flawed system at a minimum. Yeah. Five thousand yeah, pages. Uh, my, I, I was even saying in one of my chats, dude. Like, my CVS two FAQ is like two hundred some pages. I don't even know if I could write anything in five thousand pages, dude. That's ridiculous. I mean, their pages are like twenty lines each. With each line is like twenty words. It's a it's a huge font. Oh, okay, like it, it's. Okay. If you wrote it out in like a book, it wouldn't be 5,000 pages, okay. but it's still super big. Yeah, but no, that's why I asked because I wanted to know what the situation, like it's disgusting to me that they're like, that they keep tacking all these things onto it, but that's not the case, that this is just the way that our government works and that sucks and probably I feel like needs to change so that we don't have these kind of things because if, how does that work? Because if you reject one piece of it, do you reject the whole thing then basically? Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah, that's, and that's why they do that, by the way. Right, Correct. and that's why they do that, but doesn't that suck, and isn't that something we yeah. should change? Yeah, well, the alternative is called <laughs> a, a line item veto, and some states do have that, and there was talk about putting that in for the U.S. too, but what that what that means is that the president or the governor, I guess, uh, has like, probably too much control. Like, one person has too much control uh, at that uh, stage because they could just take individual things out of a bill that they don't like even after right. like say there's a big process doesn't work this way but like theoretically two sides get together and they hash it out and they come to a reasonable compromise and then like one person can just be like nah only the parts i like are getting through that's probably too much control okay so i don't i don't really know what to like do about that but <laughs> uh, yeah line item vetoes aren't great either okay okay yeah, I mean, if anybody has any specific questions, I'm happy to answer them. Uh, can false copyright claims get thrown out and punished more easily, at least? Uh, you know, I don't know if this bill makes actions against a false copyright claim easier. I think probably not, is my guess, but I, uh, I read through that part. It was certainly a lot longer than the other part that I read through. And I don't remember that coming up, but I'm not going to be, like, authoritative about that. No. That's fair. I just, well, I'd be surprised if, look, guys, this bill isn't in here because there was like, how can we make copyright reasonable? No, it's like lobbyists being like, let's bribe Congress to pass more laws that benefit. Absolutely. So, it, Absolutely. yeah, so it's not, it's not going to be like, what if we should probably also make it so that people on YouTube who are getting, or on Twitch who are getting false DMCA requests should be able to protect themselves better. The goal, the system exists so that those people can bust you more easily mm -hmm. they're not going to change that easily okay hopefully eventually but not yet uh i don't know if that has anything so soul install asks people who make fan merchandise based on copyrighted works uh 
like that doesn't actually have anything to do with this bill because this bill is all about the streaming stuff, right? Or what was the question? I'm sorry. So Soul Install asks, can people who make fan merchandise based on copyrighted works be targeted? Like, how do you make sellable work? I think they already can be targeted. Yeah, they I don't can. think that's new. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. You're right. And the case act part of this makes that easier. Yes. Just in general, if there's copyright infringement, it's going to be easier to to get busted on. Womp womp. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Look, I mean, the way that it's supposed to work is that if somebody files a false DMCA claim, they are supposed to get busted. That was the like intention of the bill. It's just that the practical reality of that is that if you're somebody who has a YouTube channel and you get a copyright claim, again, you could fight this long battle in the court to be like, I I didn't infringe anything. I'm okay. And what do you get for that? You you spend the next year or two spending a lot of money on lawyers, and when it all works out, you don't get money from the other side. <laughs> right. At best, they're going to pay your attorney's fees, and even that's not guaranteed. You're so just, just, you're just going to end up losing hair. That's just basically what it is. You know, you're just going to like, you know, yeah. stress getting wrinkles and stuff. So uh. I mean, I'm not even upset about the DMCA existing. I just wish that there were different ways of enforcing it. Right. Like some of our legal regime is really bad. Copyright doesn't need to exist for 800 years. But some of it's like reasonable. It's just not a good structure of enforcement right now. Mm. All right. Well, I don't know if there's anything else to. Okay. I don't want to bore. Me. I can talk about this forever, clearly. But <laughs> I mean, look, bore. people have always been asking for you to do a legal stream like this. I think people. One of the reasons why we have people tuning in here because I think they like hearing this kind of stuff from you, right? So, you know, it's. Well, I'm happy to talk about it, of course. Okay. Oh, all right, so let's jump over to game community news coming up here. All right, let's talk about some other game news. Good old Sephiroth is fully out. <laughs> Think you mean Long Marth. Good old Long Marth. <laughs> long, Finally. Long Marth. I don't get the reference. What's the reference? Do you not know Long Long Man? Have you never seen those commercials, dude? I guess not. Dude, James. you have to go and Google, like, the Long Long Man commercials from Japan. <laughs> They're, like, oh. the greatest commercials ever, dude. You need to go and watch these commercials. It's they're, they're fantastic, dude. Like, it's a whole narrative told between multiple commercials, dude. <laughs> it's so good. All right. <laughs> Good old Long Marth. Yeah. So anyway, Long Marth's out. Initially, you had to unlock him in a specific mode to unlock him, which I think is kind of cool. If you could, if you wanted to get him early, you could do that. But now he's just out for everybody. So uh, did you guys watch the video where Sakurai like detailed what he does? No, yeah. I did not get. I, a I, I saw, I heard I saw about parts it. of it. I saw like clips, but that that's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he. I mean, Sephiroth is like kind of what we thought more or less i mean yeah. he he is he is a long sword <laughs> character he's got some other stuff going for him when he takes a bunch of damage he gets a wing and then he can jump more and so he was dark phoenix all along kind of is. <laughs> and what's interesting too is that it's not just about what percent you're at but if you have fewer stocks than the opponent the percent that you get that at will be lower mm -hmm. so you can more easily make a comeback but if you have more stocks than the opponent, you won't get the wing until a higher percent. Right. Because you already have a life lead overall. So, you know, that's kind of cool. They uh, He has a big old explodey fireball that you can wait, you can charge up and get. 
and he's got he can like you know, send like kind of thing that sword characters tend to have in that game where there's a certain spot that's like the sweet spot right. and at that spot you do big time damage and knockback and a little bit different range is a little different stab emotions have different sweet spots than slash emotions yeah, it's like something yeah. that like orbs like orbits around you and then like hits you eventually or something. Yeah, like he's that. got a projectile that does that. Yep, that he applies. That yeah, then rotates around you. Um, if you have like a projectile, like a uh, villager can like grab it, like one of the little things that's rotating around. <laughs> nice. Like yeah, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind of cool. So he's got like kind of setup y options mm. of like eventually this projectile that's going around you is going to hit you and. So you probably want to block, right? Well, you can grab when the opponent's in shield, right? So stuff like that is like kind of interesting. He's not as bare bones as like a Marth is. You know, he's got he he is a more interesting like modern DLC character, but right. he's also not as complex as some others that have come out. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, cool. So I saw people talking about him initially. You know, everybody's always rushing to be like this character's. Top tier, low tier, <laughs> mid tier, right? And the initial response that I saw from the Smash scene originally was kind of all over the place. But then over the week, I saw people talking about it and it seemed like more people thought he was on the higher end of things. Okay. See? Yeah. Okay. Well, at Seppy least, Roth. At least it's, you know, the, the one thing that I will say is that you can usually tell when a co- character sucks or is super busted right away. And the fact that it is still kind of up in the air, I think is a good is a good sign, to be honest with you. So... Yeah, but people are having fun with him, which is definitely cool. important, as Big For Lil says. And in addition, they put in like a new stage, which is pretty cool, and it tells a whole story, as Sakurai pointed out. Yeah. And then uh, another thing, also- too, is that when Cloud dropped into the game, Square Enix was like, here, have two songs. But right. apparently Sephiroth has like another like nine songs added. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Also, we- you can be Gino in Smash Ultimate now. You know, your favorite video game character, Gino. Yeah, from Super Mario RPG. He's that a dope ev- character. Everybody yeah. wanted, but he's a costume. He's a Mii Fighter costume. Yeah, he's a Mii yeah. Fighter costume. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> right. At least now we don't have to hear Gino, you know, people yelling for Gino. Right. They can just let it die. Oh, it's they're all going to treat it like Gil, right, from Street Fighter Five. <laughs> I still can't game. believe they gave Yuri in a Gil costume and then put Gil in the game. That was so yeah. weird to me. That yeah. probably was, they probably were like, we'll never put Gil in here. But then they're like, yeah, oh crap, likely. we probably need to extend this game for another year and then let's throw Gil in or something. So. Yep. That's probably something like that happened. Mm-hmm. Oh well. All right. In Dragon Ball Fighters, mm-hmm. Super Baby 2 was announced. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> Super Saiyan 4. Gogeta was announced. Yeah. Take it away, Brock. <laughs> so here's what they did. They added, what is it? Two and a half more Saiyans, basically. Well, no, four and a half. So Baby is a alien that comes from space that wants revenge on the Saiyans for some reason. I don't... Dragon Ball GT sucked. I didn't really watch it. But he takes over Vegeta. So Baby is Vegeta, right? Okay. So we have Vegeta added. And then Gogeta is Super Saiyan 4 Goku and Super Saiyan 4 Vegeta, who are not in the game. So that's two more new characters, new new Saiyans. They're not. And they created Gogeta. So that's a third new Saiyan, right? So there's like four and a half-ish new Saiyans in the game with two DLC characters. 
Um, and they're both GT characters, which at first when the game came out, they, it seemed like DLC was not going to have any GT characters. And then they dropped GT Goku, and now all of a sudden they're dropping a bunch more. I think the biggest takeaway is that people are very happy Omega Shenron is not in the game. Because that's one of the most boring, hated villains of all time. And people thought he was coming. People were like, very sure Omega Shenron was coming. Interesting. There had been rumors, blah, blah, blah. He's, it doesn't look like it. Uh, the way they've dropped most DLC characters has been hero, villain, hero, villain, hero, villain. Mm. Or, you know, vice versa. They, they they go together, right? Okay, okay. Um, Gogeta is the one who defeats Baby, so they put them together. It makes uh, sense. So people are very happy that Omega Shenron's not part of it. Okay. Um, Baby looks cool. I mean, he can take dead characters and use their assist still. It looks like a oh. special attack. Um, huh. Like on, when like I, on team? Yeah, yeah. So if he's like the third character left, he now has two special attacks that are his dead teammates that are their assists. <laughs> Whoa, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. It is cool. <laughs> when, I, when I first read it in the magazine translation, uh, I thought that it was uh, like a misprint, like a mistranslation. I was like, this can't be real. Like, that's so broken. That, that's stupid. Right. When I saw it in action, though, it was more like a Captain Ginyu call where he pauses and points. Okay, and then, gotcha. and then So it's not like a, I can be doing whatever I want and the assist comes out still. So it's a, actually, I have to pause, call the call the homie out, then I can continue on. He's saying that he actually takes the opponent's dead characters. Oh, is it the opponent's? I thought it was your own. But does that mean that if he kills you down to one character left, he could have his two assists and he can call the other That's dead assists? Even worse. That's such a snowball effect. Oof. I thought it was his own boys that he that he called back. Dang. Well, I, I stand corrected. I believe you guys over me. <laughs> I, That's awesome. Okay. That actually yeah, sounds pretty cool. cool. Interesting. Um, but yeah, and then Gogeta, they didn't show anything at all. It was right. just, here he is, yeah, right, of course, which of looks course. cool. But they also... uh, What I thought was really interesting is I saw a tweet from a modder who modded in Super Saiyan 4 Gogeta into the game. And he put up his mod against Arxis's work, uh -huh. and they're damn near identical. There's His work was so good. That's super cool. Huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I hope they hire him or something, man, because his... His Gogeta was very convincing. It didn't have a tail because reasons, but um, but yeah, I mean, they, they looked really, really close. Obviously, yeah. the Arctic one was more polished, right? right, right. Um, yeah, of course. But yeah, but yeah it, it was it was really cool to to see that modders can come that close. Oh, you know, yeah. nowadays the, the stuff that modders do these days is actually really crazy. So, oh man, okay, okay. Well, let's move on to the next one. Super Baby Two. I'm just running it, but it's quite a name. <laughs> <laughs> in Street Fighter V, the producer, Shuhei Matsumoto, said that they're planning to get Dan and Season 5 content out by February, as we mentioned before. They'll have more news early next year. So heads up on that. Yeah. I mean, Not a sad, that but... Doing it I mean, honestly, right now, one of the biggest topics in video gaming is... Please take your time and release a good product, even if it's been yeah. over seven years. And so if it needs if they need to wait till February to get Dan and some new mechanics and stuff like that, so be it. Makes me sad. I was looking forward to being able to lab new stuff this month, but oh well. You know, I'm just waiting for my Phantom Lucia buffs that will probably not actually come and not help there's her anyways. A, and maybe after Capcom Cup. 
Yeah. Maybe. It's probably going to be announced at Capcom Cup how much you want to you want like Oh, I, I I hope that they announce 6 there too. I really do, man. Oh, it's not happening, dude. I, this just, I really hope they announce. No, I, I, I think it's the perfect time to announce six. I just no, they still have Street Fighter Five characters coming. Yeah, out. and that's why you announce six. Like, hey, six is coming in two years. Just so you guys who like the Street Fighter know, we're gonna have a new game, so you don't need to yeah. buy the characters that we're offering to you right now. That's if you sure if you don't want to play Street Fighter for two years, sure. The people that they're catering to right now are not new fans. These are definitely players that have been around for four years already. Dude, it's not until 2023, I would, I would guess. Oh, <laughs> don't say it's, that. Please don't it's say announced that. in 2022, but this, we're not playing oh, this game for yeah. years, buddy. Good luck. Good luck on that one, Tubo. Oh, I, mean, you, I mean, I have other fighting games. It's fine. Yeah, I'm not you're going to be disappointed. I'm sure of it. I just want to commentate a Capcom game again, man. Like, I love these characters. Dude, I what about the, 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 the make. Super hot game of Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom Three right now, dude. I, like, dude, I actually was on Wednesday Night Fights like two weeks ago, just there, randomly. There you go. Kevin was like, "Hey, come commentate." I was like, "Okay, dude." That game. Sure, is, I'm not doing anything. I feel like that game is getting a resurgence, like I've never seen from games. I swear, like, man, I'm telling you, it was coming before COVID happened. Like, people didn't yeah. even like people not in the Marvel scene didn't really know, but it was already happening. People, people just got tired of Infinite, dude. Like, straight up. Like, the Infinite players can have it and love it, but any Marvel 3 player that was playing Infinite and trying to make that work for them, they just said, nah, I'll play Marvel 3 again. <laughs> right. I'm glad people should play the game that they want to play. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, this is kind of game news, but maybe community news? I don't know. There's something called the Fight Club that's being created by Mortal Kombat Online and the Reddit Mortal Kombat, r slash Mortal Kombat. And what this is, is a way to set up games matches with other people outside of the game you can send an invite through an app you can go on discord and do it uh it has its own ranked system in doing so hmm. it has an automatic match analysis for matches that you stream i don't know exactly what that entails because mk11 already kind of has some match analysis so i'm not sure what is different about that but sure uh, i don't know if there's any public info about that yet this was just announced hmm. the other day it has a real-time updated character matchup chart based on who's actually winning and losing with characters. Oh, man, that's so not fair to actual matchups. That's just like, come on, man. If a scrub is getting beat up on by a, a top player <laughs> playing did, that character, it's Did not you real. know that E-Honda has led the character charts for Street Fighter V in overall win percentage for literally a whole year? Yeah, 12, that makes sense to me. 12 straight months. That makes sense to me. He's absolutely a scrub killer character. Yeah, he's That's a good he character. He's a scrub killer, and he has a pretty small set yeah, of... Yeah, the like, only people base. who are going to play him are the ones that are dedicated to Honda. So yeah, they win really the want to play some Honda. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, anyway, that, so as far as uh, Fight Club goes, it's got its matchup chart, like I said. Uh, it matches. They'll be streaming as well on MortalKombatOnline.com. So there's not a lot of other stuff to say right now. Uh, our Mortal Kombat subscribers will also get exclusive in-app flair and some seasonal support, Ooh. stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know that much about it yet, but it, it does have a public beta that's starting on December 25th that I've signed up for. So we'll see how that is. Cool. It's at Fight Club with a K. Fight what a Club shock. <laughs> dot GG. 
or you can check it's it out. A, honestly, man, it sounds like a updated game battles. I don't know if you guys ever use game battles, but game battles was a service that that was a ladder online for people to play games like SOCOM and Halo 2 and such. Oh, okay. Mm, okay. Uh, so that's kind of what it sounds like to me. It sounds like a better version of game battles. I think game battles is still around, actually, but people just don't really use it. Yeah, I, I think that that does sound similar from your description. So okay. I'm I'm interested to see what they do. Combat League is oftentimes the ranked mode in Mortal Kombat 11. Basically, alternates yeah. between a Combat League season and then like regular ranked mode in between off seasons. Mm-hmm. And some people like that. Some people don't because it has these systems of matching you with people that uh, some people don't like, um, <laughs> and it has. Uh, if you don't play for a little while, like your points go down, you know, you're like, it has it degrades your points after. Yeah. So like, I am always not doing well in that. Cause I'm always degraded, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how, we'll see what they do with this. I, I think that's interesting. Anyway, again, it's at fightclub.gg or go to mortal combat online.com or r slash mortal combat on Reddit. Cool. As far as other community news, a little bit of other stuff to talk about. There's a Sheldon typing charity stream mm-hmm. that uh, James really wanted to bring up, which I think sounds super cool. They have raised over $1,700, and that was before today, for they're homeless st- people in Maine. Yeah, they're, they're literally streaming right now. I think they're going on right now. Let me see if I can find the tweet. I, I know I linked the tweet in the document here. So, but it's just really cool. It's another one of those stories that just, you know, I like to talk about because it's, they're just doing cool things and, you know, have this nice little charity here. You can actually, I'm going to see if I can get this picture up on the, uh, on our stuff over here. Man, I saw this picture earlier and I didn't even realize you were talking about the same thing. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I retweeted it. Okay. Yeah, so they they earned about seventeen hundred dollars, and already this is this is the picture that he tweeted out. This was, you know, all the supplies and food and everything that they bought for all the homeless people who are freezing awesome. in Maine right now. So this is kind of what they're doing. They have another stream that's going on, like I said, literally right now, which is at twitch.tv slash Sheldon Twitching. So if you go to uh, Sheldon Twitch, let me actually post that for you guys in the chat over here. So what we could, what we should try to do, honestly, is probably raid them afterwards if they're still going. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, they're currently live right now. So uh, awesome. So, but here's the channel right there. So there you go. Uh, but they're doing cool stuff, and I, I, it's just another one of those good stories to talk about. You know, fighting game community coming together and doing really, really cool things. Uh, and, uh, yeah, fighting game community being cool. awesome, basically. Okay. All right. Well, support that. The Shuriken Wiki is getting an update in 2020. Yeah. New look and feel, more tools for editors and readers, improved account registration, reopened. Yeah, I, I, I know that James has worked on the show you can wiki in the past. Uh, yeah. What do you think about this? No, I talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about the Tekken Zaibatsu situation. So Tekken yeah. Zaibatsu was closing down, but everything that's in the Tekken Zaibatsu is being archived, right? Well, mm-hmm. uh, the on Twitter, his name is, let me get his name, is uh, Shibu Rizu. Shibu Rizu. 
And uh, he does a lot of work on the Mizumi wiki, right? The Mizumi website, uh, which is a wiki for a lot of the anime fighters and everything like that. Uh, He is the one that is now going to be taking and maintaining SRK's wiki. So basically, he has been given full rights to that. And so alongside the Mizumi wiki, he's going to be maintaining the SRK wiki and, you know, updating it with all the newer, you know, uh, versions of the host and hosting software and just being able to make sure that it has new features. He's also the same person who's going to be taking all of Tekken Zaibatsu and archiving it. So uh, he's just doing all this work. Uh, to to keep all this fighting game information out there, and I think that's super cool. So shout outs to him, and uh, I definitely want to um, help him out if I can with the SRK Wiki again. One of the reasons why I stopped doing mm-hmm. anything on it is just because it was just hard to get a lot of traction in there because I just didn't have any control over it, you know, for like new features and things like that. So all right, sounds Ooh, good. I think that's cool. I think that's super yeah, cool. Man. Whoops, actually, I still have his Twitter right here. I'm on the screen. Yeah, I was just so. going to tell you. Whoops, there you go. Okay. All right, cool. Bad news. <laughs> Sorry. By uh, the way. Yeah. Uh, Street Fighter player at Classico got robbed. Uh, and not just robbed, but it was at gunpoint. They stole his phone and his car. Oh. And he is somebody who works as a driver for uber and lyft and stuff so if you don't have your car and you don't have your phone that line of work is not going to do it so there's a gofundme fundraiser for him that's trying to raise some money for him right now uh he's a real good guy you know he's um he was in the street fighter league on the first season i was about to say yeah he was there right so yeah he was he sure was yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um Good, good guy. You know, support him if you can. It's a tough time for everybody, but it's, uh, oh, we both just did it at the same time. <laughs> nice. Double links. I feel like that. In the YouTube as well. So okay. I hope that goes okay. Let's move on to the next thing. Okay. Next topic. Which is, or... let's just briefly talk about tournament results. We're not going to spend much time sure, on this. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, Topanga Championship 2 was won by Itazan. He only played <laughs> Abigail the whole time, and his only loss, he blew up everybody, his only loss was to Pugera's Poison, which is definitely a tough matchup. And he lost that only 10 to 9. So he almost oh. went undefeated. What a in scrub in that. <laughs> 10 to 9? I mean, come on. Pretty cool. Shout-outs to him. The DBFC National Championships are over now. In fact, the Dragon Ball news that we talked about earlier like was announced yeah. in part there. Yep. Uh, Kazunoko won the Japan one. He did. did. Was that a big surprise? Or did people expecting Goichi? People expect to Goichi. Yeah. People expect. People always expect Goichi. Right. Uh, but it's not like oh, Kazunoku won. What an upset! You know, it's still, <laughs> it's still Kazunoku. One of the best players of all time. Yeah. yeah. And he's always been in that mix, right? It's always been him, uh, yeah. Fenrich and Goichi going up against each other. And apparently, the the Fenrich match was also with uh, Goichi in losers finals was really close. So. A little off topic, but one of my physical therapists uh, is a Dragon Ball Fighters fan. Sometimes when we go, we talk about it, and I'm very curious to, to know what he thinks about that. Uh, His he likes Hook Gang God a lot. He's a big Hook Gang okay, God. Okay, okay. Hook Gang God got second in the USA East Finals. Nitro Bros won that. 
And I believe we talked about... Oh, no, we didn't talk about the France one, which I think that Wawa won. Yes, he did. Mm, okay, okay. Nice. So they're the not... They're not going to have it so that the different regions eventually play each other, right? Because obviously they can't get nah. them to travel and all that stuff. So, okay. Also, the netcode is dookie. Yeah. yeah. That's why I didn't even bring up the netcode. <laughs> okay. Okay. In the Mortal Kombat Pro competition, it was North America's first week. Combat won in the East and Rewind won the West. Combat beat Ninja Killer and Sonic Fox and Samij. And also Dragon was in that tournament. So... That is quite a little run there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you, didn't he beat my boy KP, too? He did beat Katana Prime. Are you leaving out KP? KP was one win from top eight, I'll have you know, okay? Good player, dude. There's hey, no was it, on, but Perfect Legend made top eight as well, right, in this event? He did. On, on the winner yeah. side, if I'm not mistaken, so. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it was yeah. cool to see him up there. And in the West, uh, old school top player from the West Coast, uh, Wound Cowboy made it as well, so that was pretty cool to see on, on okay. both of them. Nice. Uh, what's this event? Deus Ex Kylo? Uh, Deus Ex Kylo was another, you know, just a tournament run for the Soul Calibur community. Uh, Arturo Ooh. always putting on these kind of things and, you know, again, <laughs> run completely on the Parsec slash AWS system. Uh, but what was crazy about it, the Soul Calibur community has really, really uh, embraced Matcharino. And uh, just one of the things to talk about is they raised $3,500 for the prize pool for this tournament. So, uh, yeah, shout-outs to them. Uh, run entirely, like I said, on the Parsec stuff in the Soul Calibur community. A lot of strong okay. players there. Uh, and uh, $3,500 prize pool for, for everybody at, at that tournament. So I think that's really super cool. So shout-outs to the SC community. Lastly, I wanted to bring up the Tier 3 Tussle in the UK, which is an MK11 online local. I got a DM from at BulkFGC who just wanted me to bring it up because he thought it would be cool. Uh, they have a stream that you can check out, which is at his channel, which is twitch.tv slash considerable bulk. <laughs> Fantastic. Considerable. Okay considerable bulk. Hey, you know what? I mean, like, I'm totally down for this, too. Like, if other people are watching this and they're like, that. I have my own local, like, can we just, like, ask you to shout it out and stuff like that? Like, dude, just hit us up. Just send us send us stuff at ultrachen at gmail, ultrachentv at gmail.com. Hit us up yeah. on <laughs> Twitter at ultrachentv. You know, I'm. I, it was one of the things that I wanted to talk about before was, you know, hey, let us know your online tournaments and stuff like that. And we'll be glad to shout them out. No one ever messaged us. But, you know, at yeah. this point in time, there's so many established ones out there. So there you go. First place was TC Mashup 28-year-old. Second place was TC Danny Sadiq. And third place was Darth Conflictus. Darth, cool. Darth All right. Conflictus. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Once again... You guys are just glossing over Marvel, forgetting about us. You know, I'm really hey, sick you of You are also involved in the writing. Of the <laughs> you can <laughs> add stuff to the... I was the one who yeah. put the Deus Ex Kylo into the th document, okay? Look, man, it's way I, funnier I if I call you out for hating on Marvel, okay? What you really mean is that you forgot to talk about it until right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the lawyer at, strikes this, again. This past weekend... This past weekend was the finale of Tampa Never Sleeps, oh, the right. Marvel yeah, tournament ran by Tong. Mm -hmm. uh, they did have a last chance qualifier on Friday for two spots. Um, 
And then on Saturday they had the actual finals. Who 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 won that? Was like uh, the the last chance. Uh, the last chance qualifiers: Jabril and Joey D. Technically not Jabril. Uh, Shaw won, but couldn't play Saturday, so Ooh. he gave up his spot to the third person that took oh, gotcha, gotcha. which was Jabril. Okay. Uh, mind you, Jabril plays in like it basically as bad as when Japan tries to play in TNS. Like his his delay is real, real terrible. He's oh. all the way out in Seattle. Gotcha. Uh, and the, the servers are in Virginia, so it's complete opposite sides of the country. And he's still almost qualified, you know, <laughs> properly. Um, but the champion was Milky, oh. taking it over Ray Ray, and Mundank was third. Oh, I no. thought Mundank was going to win the event. Mundank has been killing it in DNS all year. Um, and he's just super, super fun. But yeah, Milky won, Ray Ray took second, and Mundank took third. Dude, Ray Ray got second again. <laughs> Ray Ray got second again, yeah. Oh god, he's Bro, that's his curse. You know, Mycross has fourth place, Ray Ray has third. He's the second. Marvel Fudo. <laughs> he really is. Oh, he really no. is. Like an at Evo, like ah, oh, poor guy. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. Okay, okay. Cause even for that's the Mar it. the Marvel Presents, he got second place, right? The... Yep. Yep. Forever second. Oh. That's all for results. Briefly for upcoming stuff. You can watch Vicious versus Tasty Steve, December twenty fourth for four p.m. Pacific time, where Street Fighter League is going to be doing. You know, I think it's first to five between the two commentators, David James. Who do you like? Who do you got, buddy? Who in, do you got? Who do you got? In, in Street Fighter Five. Street Fighter Five. Look, I'm just going to say it. I definitively think it's going to be Vicious who's going to take that. Definitively. Yes, definitively. I think mm -hmm. he's just as All I know is it's Sajam 10 Tasty Steve. Last time I saw him in a exhibition with someone. And, <laughs> what? Did uh, he? Yeah, like the, I remember Sajam put it on a stream before he did his charity tournament with uh, Footsies. Right. Uh, yeah, he yeah, played yeah. against Sajam and some other charity thing for the same charity. And uh, Sajam 10 0 him. So, with, with that knowledge, come on, of course, Vicious is going to win. <laughs> Steve. I'll say this. I've played Steve in Street Fighter. I've played Vicious in Street Fighter. And I know Vicious beats me up pretty badly. And I I, I was winning against Steve enough to, I think. But which beat. Street Fighter? Five. This is all five? Oh, five. Okay. Yeah, yeah, this is all five. Yeah, this is I was just saying, because Vicious has a pretty good yawn in four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean. I've never even seen Vicious play five. And I'm just going to take him over Steve. Who doesn't have a good yawn in Street Fighter four, right? I so mean, that's <laughs> I think Steve is a pretty good Street Fighter player. He just has hitched himself to like the two worst characters in the game, unfortunately. Yeah, so. that's one of the yeah. problems too, because he's a Nash player and such. So and an Alex player. Those yeah. the, he branched out to play Nash <laughs> Alex. He used to play Mika. I don't think he does that anymore. And again, so... this is this is nothing to say about Steve's. Straight... <laughs> Steve, hold that. Vicious is fucking you up free. I just want to say that like this is this like is that. not a measure on Steve obviously as a fighting game player because if Steve and Vicious were playing Guilty Gear Accent Core like Vicious would not stand a chance if they were playing Tekken Vicious would just get mauled it's just uh, I know Vicious concentrates a lot more on Street Fighter Five so yeah yeah that's fair yeah I don't think it's gonna be a blow up myself. But, uh, I, I I just want to talk shit to Steve. I honestly don't know. Like I I, I like I said, I've never even seen Vicious play the game. I yeah. play, played Vicious in four. I've okay. played him like myself in real life in four. 
multiple times, but I've never played him in five. So I honestly have no idea how good Vicious is. I don't even know who he plays. I have no but, idea who you play. I mean, he used to play Karen. Then he picked up Sakura. Jury? Now I think he's playing Seth. He has a jury as well. So, so there you go. Well, yeah, I mean, I've played with both of them. I think they're both good. It's just, uh, yeah, for me, the biggest difference is like, Steve is going to be playing the butt of the game, and that's going to be tough. <laughs> that's my oh, like that's official analysis of that. Anyway, but that's going to be. If you lose on chair character select screen, that's your fault. As somebody who used to do it playing Third Strike Q, I definitely Look, agree. I'm just trying to pump up our boy Tasty Steve here. See, that's just all it is, right? So. Where are the taste buds at? Make some noise. <laughs> we still have Tasty Steve emotes. That's hilarious. Dude, and I, no Tupperware emotes. Wow. Well, no, wow. We We're out we of don't. space. <laughs> you know what? If you want a Tupperware emote, then if the fans out there want Tupperware emotes, then we, did somebody actually make a KO version of Tasty Steve's face over there? Because that's what it looks like. It looks like, you know, the, the, the select screen when he's when you first pick him and then the select screen after he loses over there. But uh, if you guys want a Tubo emote, let's get some more subscribers here to Ultra Chen TV and then we can free up a slot for that. So Look, man, you can delete old, old emotes, all right? I'm a, I'm a partner streamer too. I know the deal here. <laughs> Steve, you know that your character choice is unfortunate. All right, yeah. you are aware of that as well as anybody else. Anyway, watch that at December twenty fourth, four p.m. Pacific time on probably Twitch.tv slash Capcom Fighters, I guess. Also, uh, we're talking about moving to the show you can scrimmage to Friday. It's been on Sunday, but we've been busy like every single week, every <laughs> single Sunday for like a month and a half. And it's point. always not both of us are busy. It's yeah. one or the other has been exactly perfect it's like when you're trying to go straight and the cars from the left keep coming and then they stop and then the ones on the right keep coming and like that's basically what's been happening so pretty much so we're talking about friday if you are somebody who wants to play in the show you can scrimmage which again is our gold ranked and under street fighter 5 event and friday is good for you please let us know but if it's bad for you let us know too we're just trying to make that decision but mm -hmm. it seems like it's probably going to be friday yep exactly cool so. Uh, okay. All right, and David, you play Honda, you cheater, says Tasty Steve. All I'm doing is pressing punch. Is that so hard? Come on, baby. <laughs> Just mashing the punch button over I here. I mean, Honda is, Honda is a cheater character. He's, he's not wrong. He's so good. He's, good. he's good. All right, that's it for news. Uh, I'm officially doing commentary lessons now. If anybody's curious in learning how to commentate, please let me know. Hit me up on... I don't know, Ultra Chen TV. I mean, David at UltraDavid.com and on Twitter at UltraDavid. And we have a website called UltraChenTV.com where you can learn more about that. Uh, I've been doing like preparation for that for a year, coming up with like all my theories about commentary and talking about them with you two guys and a bunch of other friends as well. And, uh, yeah, I like how it's all turned out. So. Uh, I announced that on Friday, and I've already gotten several people who are interested in that. I'm really uh, excited to move forward with that. Give me either create a slide that I can put during the break, or just give me all the information associated with it, and, I, and we'll get you a slide up during the break. So Great call. Okay. That's it. What do you got? Uh, so I think this is really cool. Uh, the Teppan 
championships are happening on December 26th. It's just going to be the top four. Uh, we've already gotten down from the top 32 to the top four, although it was not broadcast and we are not told who they are. So we have no idea who the top four is because I think they're going to probably do like some big recap thing on the De December 26th. But what I think is really cool is a lot of the guys that, you know, that I do a lot of Teppin stuff with like Mallet Moogle and uh, the Thirsty Games. Uh, you know, they've been doing an, a podcast called the EX Podcast for a long time where they just talk about Teppin and stuff. They've been uh, tasked by to be the official pre-show of the of the Teppin finals on December 26th. And so cool. I think that's super cool. I just wanted to shout them out, you know, of the guys who have done that podcast. I think it like Iowa is on there, the Thirsty Games, Mallet Moogle, a bunch of guys. Shout outs to them for getting that, you know, official official pre-show role over there and uh the I'm excited to see the top 4 and see how that goes. So Cool, man. Mm -hmm. And when was that, you said? December 26th, the day after Christmas, will be the top four. And hopefully we'll also get the new hero, which is coming out for the season. I mean, that, I'm not guaranteeing that, but yeah. uh, I've heard the new hero was leaked. I don't know who that hero is, so please don't put anything in the chat about it. If you know, uh, I'm just waiting to be surprised because I'd rather be surprised and stuff. But Fair enough. Hopefully and what's a, the stream for that? Uh, it would be... Uh, I think it just might be Teppin Game or Teppin. I'm not sure. I'll find out and uh, I'll let you guys know. I'll let you guys know. So, okay. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, the matchup theory of commentating is something that we've been talking about for many years. Uh, that's been, uh, I don't even know, half a dozen years we've probably been talking about matchup uh, in commentary. But that's certainly an important important part of understanding how to, yeah. how to commentate well. Now, David was the first person that I've heard talk about it that way in terms of matchups. So, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I came uh, up with that, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I saw someone say Say Jam's theory, and I was like, that's David's theory. <laughs> David was talking about that back in, like, 2013. Yeah, but, but, I mean, we... Before Say Jam was born. Steven and I have definitely talked about that, though. Oh, right, yeah, he yeah, thinks yeah, about sure. commentary, too, so yeah. he's definitely very smart about it. All right, well, anything else to talk about, or are we going to skedaddle here? So here's the question for you guys, actually. We can make this decision right here, right now. Is this the last Tuesday show of the year? Oh, I'm not doing crap next Tuesday. I don't know. What are you guys up to? Uh, What's next Tuesday? What's 29th. the date? 29th? 29th? Yeah. I mean, I can run a sh Dude, I, I live alone. I'm not... Yeah, let's... I, I'll, I was I'll just thinking, like, what are we I'm, doing? What like, are we going to talk about, though, is the real... Like, what's going to happen this week well Come okay on. so that's the other question then normally before we saved the last episode of the year for the ultra chen tv awards we moved it to the first episode of the next season to kind of be, have a big thing you know like here we are ultra chen this is the big thing if we don't feel like we're gonna have a lot of things to talk about do you want to do the ultra chen tv awards next week and then just start the season brand new normally or some people are saying a mailbag stream uh, what do you guys think? What do you guys want to do? I'm down for a mailbag stream and then doing the awards at the first show of next year like usual. I mean, I wasn't thinking about it, but a mailbag episode sounds super awesome, actually. All right, cool. Yeah, it let's do it. People will send in questions. I mean, obviously we do that each week anyway, but we do it mm -hmm. in kind of a small format. Instead, a mailbag is like, send all the questions you got. 
We'll just answer them for the yeah. next like two hours. Just basically be an AMA. And obviously every time we get the five, five questions, they're like, this is some fighting game concern. Like if you guys just want to be like, Hey James, what's your favorite pasta dish? Like, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so how do you want to do it? I'll put out the call for that. I guess tomorrow or okay, the next okay. day. And yeah, I wasn't sure if you want to do a balance between questions directly in the chat or if you want to actually have people officially send them in. I'll let you decide on how to do that, David. Since... Yeah, let's let's do let's do tweets. Okay. As we've done in the past. It's been many years since we did it. Sick. Um, okay. Yeah, cool. There you go. Cool. All right. Let's get out of here. All right, cool. Thanks guys for tuning in. Please be safe out there. Take care of yourselves, especially if you're here in the US. Please wear a mask and uh yeah, just like I said, stay safe, man. Stay safe. And again, you should be able to hear this this time. Yay! Didn't hear the birds. Yeah. I got it. I've got things working. <laughs> Did you see that? You guys were swaying exactly in rhythm, dude. It was awesome. We did plan it. Yeah, we've been talking about that for months. Okay. As soon as Chase gets those birds working, <laughs> we're breaking out the dance. <laughs>